0: I've diagnosed some people I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely
1: done my fair share of psychiatry work. Uh, I've prescribed a few pills,
2: you know.
1: Hey, Angela. Oh, hey, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) It's summertime. Are you getting smelly?
0: I sure am. (laughs) I don't know how to answer that.
1: I sure am.
0: <laughs> well, if you don't want to be smelly this summer, you should check out Humblebee Herbal's deodorant. It's all natural and it really works. Also, it smells really good. It's like wearing perfume all day.
1: But it's natural.
0: I catch like little whiffs of myself and it smells wonderful.
1: Ooh. <laughs> should check out Humble Bee Herbal and their wonderful natural products.
0: Yeah, summer months are coming up. You're going to need to wash more, so check it out.
1: Wash yourself, stinky. Disclaimer.
2: Disclaimer.
1: Disclaimer.
2: Disclaimer. Disclaimer.
1: Disclaimer. We are in no way responsible for the things that come out of our mouths.
2: We
0: are not experts, although we may claim to be, so don't take anything that we say too literally.
1: We are not laughing at the crimes, we are laughing at... Each, each other, other. <laughs> all right welcome everyone to another episode of criminy 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 if you've forgotten by now i'm matt
0: if you've forgotten i'm angela
1: uh, what was that speak up
0: oh you have to yell yeah you do because we are doing this on the cheap yeah on the low low yeah. my name is angela
1: all right, Angela. I was going to do a shorter story, but I couldn't find much information, and I'm going to try and do it at another time, because it's it's fucked up, Oh and you need to know about it.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> but
1: um, I have came across this case that I had never heard of. Oh, boy. But apparently it's very infamous. See,
0: like last time. Yes. When mine was, like, super infamous, but... Who knows about Canadian not a, stories? But
1: this is not a Canadian story.
0: Oh, not even. In fact... Uh-oh.
1: It's a little local.
0: <laughs> what? I'm excited.
1: Yeah. And I'd never heard of it.
0: Well, I'm so excited.
1: So, I got most of my information from um, Murderpedia, specifically a write-up by David Lohr. Um,
0: that's like the perfect name. Do you think that's his real name?
1: Well, it's L-O-H-R
0: perfect name that's pretty good, yeah. that's good.
1: That's um good. history.com sacramento cbs local.com <gasps>
0: what
1: and sf gate oh yeah going to tell you the story of gerald and charlene gallego
0: you don't know the i know this you didn't know it no oh! <laughs> What Mom do you know knows it, it
1: told her to give me a case since she gave you a case last time and she couldn't think of one
0: well no it just comes up randomly where she'll be like this is my." I- what <laughs> yeah oh
1: jesus okay Christ. i
0: don't i know like a little bit i don't know
1: that much so i'm excited okay and really i would pronounce their last name gallego right but i was watching like some dr- documentaries That's on it and they, they say it. gallego yeah so
0: yeah
1: some wide ass pronunciation yes Gerald and Charlene.
0: I mean, <laughs> it's not Geraldo.
1: Geraldo Gallego and Charlene. Charlenea
0: Charlena, Charina, Charlena.
1: Anyway, Gerald Armin Gallego was born July seventeenth. 1946
0: in (laughs) I thought you were gonna say (laughs) Jalego
1: in Jalego Gerald Gallego was born on the 17th of (laughs) Jalego in Chico California oh Chico but moved to Sacramento shortly after Gerald's mother was no stranger to the lawless life either Having been raised in an extended family that included murderers and child molesters. Oh, lovely. Lorraine Pullen Bennett Gallego was a sex worker in Sacramento's Skid Row, and Gerald served as a runner for various pimps during the 1950s.
0: Wow. Do you think he- that was downtown? Skid Row?
1: Um. N- I don't know. Old Sack? Old Sack. <laughs>
0: Uh... mm, I don't know. Uh, Okay, go
1: ahead. Um, It was probably more in, like, South Sacramento. I'm not sure, though. Uh, blah, blah. While his father, whom he had never met, did time in San Quentin, upon his parole, the elder Gallego resumed his criminal activity and was returned to prison. When he was next paroled, he fled California, eventually landing in Mississippi, where he, in two separate incidents, killed two police officers. Mm. In 1955, Gerald Albert Gallego received the dubious distinction of being the first man executed in Mississippi's new gas chamber.
0: Oh, God! Yeah,
1: he got that. That's lovely. up in there. I don't
0: know. No, that's not how that works.
1: Uh, I'm not sure. (sighs) So the the younger Gallego began his criminal career at age 12. Oh. when he sexually abused a six-year-old girl
2: oh here we wonderful. go again
0: <laughs>
1: wonderful he was placed in fred c nelly's boys school in 1959 so i think it was like a juvie basically yeah
0: yeah well uh Could, charlie manson went to a boy's home thing uh, whatever where he was also sexually abused be, by yep, mm-hmm. everyone yep yep so good places right good places
1: Uh, In July of 61, he was paroled. Less than a year later, along with his half brother David Hunt, Gallego was arrested for armed robbery and sentenced to the Preston School of Industry in Ione, California. Mm. Gerald escaped shortly after beginning his sentence, which. How come every case I read there's like, they escaped from prison, or like, they escaped from.
0: Apparently it's not that
1: hard.
0: I mean back in the day it like was It's like an idiocracy
1: when the guy when he's like, Oh, I'm actually getting out today. Yeah. I'm in the wrong line. Yeah. Idiot
0: <laughs> Maybe it is that easy. I don't know, apparently.
1: <laughs> However, he eventually turned himself in. Whoa. And then he was paroled in nineteen sixty
0: three. I wonder why. Oh.
1: Maybe he was getting three straight meals there and not at home. He's so. like, it sucks over here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> well, gonna go, go back in there. In, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> um, That's it, unfortunate. It, yeah. Well, if it's anything like the one that Charlie went to,
0: yeah. Probably. Well, this oh no! Wait, that was the that was like a boys.
1: This was like a work camp or something. Oh. Anyway.
0: <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Yep. yep.
1: <laughs> in April of '64, at the age of 18, Gerald's first child, Krista, was born. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure when he got married, but it was a short marriage. And Gerald somehow managed to gain custody of his daughter. Oh, no. But he sent her off to live with his mother.
0: Uh, She didn't sound like the best
1: option. Nope. But he didn't want her. Um, During this time and most of his life, he worked as a bartender or a truck driver. In July 12th... Or on July 12th, 1966, Gerald again married. His bride was 24-year-old waitress from West Sacramento. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> However, just 26 days after it began, the marriage fell apart.
0: Oh, I'm lucky in love.
1: <laughs> it appears Gerald enjoyed beating the shit out of his new bride and chasing her around with knives.
0: What a monster. <laughs> Ew.
1: Yeah, so she had a... Poor woman. Believe that. On October Good 20- for
0: her. Get the fuck out.
1: Yes. Yeah, she was lucky she got out. Yeah. Um, no. On October 25th, 1969, Gerald and his half-brother David were again arrested for armed robbery.
0: Not a good pair.
1: They had targeted a motel in Vacaville, California. Shortly after their arrest, the two brothers and another inmate escaped the Solano County oh Jail. Oh my
2: god!
1: <laughs> Nonetheless, they were recaptured four days later. Okay. How are they just... They're just, like, so slippery!
0: Yeah... Well, at least they were recaptured that time.
1: Uh, Gallego was sentenced to five years in prison for his role in the robbery. A year after he got divorced from his previous marriage, he was married a third time. This was before the robbery, I just forgot to say that.
0: Either these women are desperate, or he's like a hell of a charmer.
1: Yeah, where they're just used to being abused because oh, no. this marriage lasted one month, because he seemed to like to kick the shit out of her as well.
0: What a creep! Oh,
1: so. and then Gerald's fourth wife, sorry, uh, fourth marriage God. took place on March, in March of sixty-nine in Reno. His new wife, nineteen-year-old Harrietta. I oh, don't know Harrietta. Harriet? Do you think that's Harriet? Harriet. Okay. Harriet.
0: Henrietta, Harriet?
1: I think it's Harriet. Yeah, probably Harriet. <laughs> <laughs> Harrietta.
0: I mean, I <laughs> made be. up a name.
1: It says Harriet. <laughs> I'm pretty Ew. sure. little know. Harry. Harrietta. Oh. <laughs> um, anyway, the 19-year-old wife was pregnant by the oh, time their no. marriage ended less than a month after it began. So oh. here's a track record of one-month marriages.
0: Well, I mean, good for these women for getting out.
1: It seemed Poor like thing for getting pregnant had like family help because she because the family referred to Gerald as Jekyll and Hyde Jekyll and Hyde
0: Yeah, he's got to be kind of charming.
1: And to this day the daughter does not know the identity of her father. Good.
0: Keep yeah. that a secret. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that. Oh.
1: On October 5th, 74, Gerald went down the aisle a fifth time. Jesus. In Butte County. Just
0: give it up.
1: His new 19-year-old wife no. was a laundry worker.
0: Another 19-year-old. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Well, really, I mean, he's picking young, probably a little naive yeah. women.
1: Yeah. Oh, little babies. Yeah. Um, and he, like from descriptions was like pretty decent looking I guess and so pretty charming Yeah, he looks like he's got a baby face to me he'd probably
0: turn it on and off
1: but he's yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: and yeah when you're like young and it's like love and you're easily swept off your feet oh ugh
1: young and dumb um on December 12th 1975 Gerald was discharged from parole in august of 77 gerald and his wife separated Dead. in the fall of 77 gerald met a young two-time divorced woman charlene adele williams at a poker club in sacramento i think it was some kind of like uh date like blind date night or something where they you know like a mixer
0: oh come meet poker people. night
1: you know...
0: Meet a good liar?
1: No. <laughs> good point. Oh. Not sure. The two immediately hit it off. Thus began the couple's infamous relationship mm. that I apparently knew nothing about.
0: <laughs> where have you been? Thanks,
1: Mom, for only telling Angela your special stories.
0: This She's been telling me about this for, like, years. What? Yeah! Where have you been?
1: Never in my life.
0: I can't believe that. I'm going
1: to do my own research, Mom. <laughs> God, well, now I know who the favorite is. Oh, anyway. The one that she
0: tells all the like, murder stories to.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not complaining. I've enjoyed it. In a weird way. hmm mm. Anyway. Also kind of explains our anxiety. Okay, go ahead.
1: <laughs> Charlene Adele Gallego was born on... Well, she was born Charlene Adele Williams. Right, right. Obviously. They weren't cousins.
0: Ew. (laughs) Well, that's not so obvious.
1: (laughs) Right. She was born on October 10th, 1956 in Sacramento to Charles and Mercedes Williams. Ah. She was a smart, shy child from a supportive family. Charles Williams had worked his way up in the grocery business, advancing from supermarket butcher to an executive position in the national grocery chain. Charlene was the only child and grew up in Arden Park, which is like oh. an affluent area.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and she went to high school at Rio Americano. Ah. She was apparently gifted. Er, she is apparently gifted and talented with a an IQ of 160 Damn. and a prodigious talent for the violin.
0: Damn, girl!
1: Yeah, so she was like set up for Promising. good things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the trajectory of her life began to change when, around age 12, she started drinking and doing narcotics.
0: Oh, that's so young.
1: Yeah, and I couldn't find anything about, like, like obviously something happened at yeah. that time for her to be doing that. You but know,
0: I, it could be, like, a mental health it
1: thing. Could, yeah, it could be. Because
0: puberty yeah, shit gets yeah. wild.
1: Ooh, puberty sucks. Yeah,
0: puberty's the worst.
1: Yep. Your body's rebelling against you. Yeah, everything confusing. sucks. Everything <laughs> smells and is weird and <laughs> is awkward. Ew. Yuck.
0: Glad that's over.
1: Oof. Try doing it twice. No, thank you. <laughs> um after blah blah blah, as far as anyone could tell, she was a very troubled and spoiled girl. Hmm. She was working as a journeyman meat wrapper, operating her own flower and glass boutique glassware boutique a graduation present from her parents
0: time out she's a meat wrapper and has a flower (laughs) and those don't drive
1: yeah well I assume that she like her full time job when she was going to school and stuff was working at the meat thing Mm -hmm. and then her side business that her parents gifted her was this flower and glassware boutique that she ran
0: well that would be fun
1: I know so she was pretty much set up and she I mean, was, how successful? Well, she was going to school at Sac State, at Sacramento nice. State University, and um, but she said she felt like a failure because she had already had one marriage and an annulment and another in divorce. And by this time, she's only like, I don't know, like 19, 20. She's like 20, and she's like had two Whoa, divorces. damn. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I would suggest not getting married so young just don't
1: just don't get married
0: or don't get married at all
1: there's really no reason wow um i mean so, it works for some people so right so gerald gerald and charlene met at a seedy poker bar like i said in september of 77 she said i thought he was a very nice clean-cut fellow oh, girl she didn't know that Gallego, 10 years her senior, had spent three and a half years in prison for robbery and had been charged with rape, incest, auto theft, and assault.
0: Incest! See? Could have been cousin.
1: Assault with a deadly weapon. For his part, Gerald found her... Oh, sorry.
0: Why Do is this? he going to a mixer to find a poor, like, ugh, like creep. Maybe he he's just
1: going to any, any way he can meet women.
0: To marry him.
1: Ugh. <laughs> Um... Okay. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Hobla, hobla. Where was it? Here we go. Something, something. For his part, Gerald found her small stature and blonde hair quite fetching. Cute. Within days, he sent her a dozen roses with a card that read, To a very sweet girl.
0: Charming. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Love bombing.
0: I'm very skeptical of any romantic gestures. (laughs) That's why when your boyfriend tries to give you flowers, you're like,
1: what the hell is this? We were poor. What does this mean?
0: We're poor. We We can't afford that.
1: Today, you got me flowers. (laughs) Take them back.
0: (laughs) They were pretty. You can't eat pretty. You can't eat
1: pretty. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to write that on a plaque.
0: Oh, I feel so bad. (laughs) It's true, though. It is true. You
1: can't eat pretty. Thank you. Mm Mm-hmm. So, as you would have guessed, they were living together within a few weeks. Yes. And immediately, Gerald laid down the law. Ugh. Charlene was to be the primary breadwinner. Oh, no! (laughs) Turning over her earnings from clerking at the supermarket to him.
0: Hells no.
1: He told her what clothes to wear and made no secret of his affairs with other women. Fuck no! Obviously, Gerald and Charlene had their share of problems.
0: Clearly... (laughs)
1: He had difficulty achieving and maintaining erections, and frequently blamed this on her. (gasps) It would seem that no matter how hard she tried, she could never satisfy her man.
0: What is she getting out of this relationship?
1: He would constantly abuse and demean her to no end. No. In early 1978, Gerald brought home a teenage runaway so that he could indulge in a threesome shortly after Charlene moved in with him. What a sick fuck. However, he became extremely angry when he found out that Charlene, that Charlene and the girl were engaging in sex without him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) serves you right.
1: (laughs) He went into a rage and physically abused Charlene and her young lover while berating and shouting at them. Oh. On July 17th, on, what did I call it? Jarego, Jarego. Gilego Gile- Gilego 17th. On Gilego 17th Yeah 78 Gerald celebrated His 32nd birthday mm. By sodomizing His daughter Krista <gasps> Apparently what? He had been Molesting her Since she was 6 uh,
0: That poor Little girl Yep Happy oh. birthday
1: Sick fuck
0: Oh God <sighs> I thought we weren't Doing any more Kids stuff
1: Well, I'm trying not to, but you know, the story I wanted to do was just a little too short, so we're going to just have to deal with a bit more child murder and sodomy. He's the
2: worst.
1: And as luck would have it, that same month, Charlene was pregnant.
0: No. Oh, no.
1: Anyway. Is this his third kid? Yes. on September 11th, he na-
0: can't even get it up. How is he like impregnating women? Right? No.
1: Maybe it's just not all the time. Maybe it's just sometimes. Ugh, I don't know. He's
0: the worst. I mean,
1: regardless, he's like, he's the worst. Like all the other, the like worst. All
0: of them. <laughs> They're, <laughs> They're all, all the, the worst. worst.
2: <laughs> Ugh.
1: On September 11th, 1978, Gerald decided it was time to turn his fantasies that he had been harboring into reality. He and Charlene hopped into their 1973 Dodge van and Mm -hmm. drove off in search of a sex slave for Gerald.
0: This dude sucks so bad.
1: They soon spotted two young girls, 17-year-old Rhonda Scheffler and 16-year-old Kippy Vought.
2: Oh.
1: Yeah. Babies. Gerald pulled the van over a short distance away, and Charlene approached the girls. Um in the pretext of joining them in... or having them join her in the van to smoke some marijuana.
0: And they trusted her. Ugh. Yeah,
1: because she's, like, this cute, like, girl that looks young yeah. and look completely, like, harmless. Yeah. Just very, like, okay. Like, this yeah. cool older girl that, like, looks, like, nice and friendly is inviting us to go hang out. And, like, that's what kids did back in that, like, in the 70s and 80s. You went and hung out in the mall and, like, right? We're just left there for day, not days not like days and <laughs> then prepared
0: like, to like figure it yeah, out <laughs> basically like
1: go have fun <laughs> go do what you
0: yeah. can oh this is awful
1: yeah unfortunately for the young girls they quickly agreed and followed Charlene back to the van
0: this is why you can't trust anybody
1: can't trust anyone when Rhonda and Kippy step into the back of the when Rhonda and Kippy stepped into the back of the van they were greeted by Gerald And his uh, twenty-five caliber pistol God,
0: that's terrifying
1: The girls were forced to lie down as he bound their hands and feet with adhesive tape Charlene was then commanded to keep an eye on them while he drove to a more secluded area Once satisfied he had found a quiet area, Gerald brought the van to a stop He quickly unbound the girls' ankles and led them out of the van and into the cover of trees Warning Charlene to stay put Hours later, Gerald returned to the van without the young girls. He looked at Charlene and recanted the chilling words, Ask me no questions, I'll tell you no lies. Oh. <laughs> yeah, just like...
0: It's just the worst. And
1: she's just sitting in the van for hours waiting for him okay, to like... Okay,
0: well, she's been abused for how long at this point? Right.
1: Ugh. I mean, that's, as you'll see, that's like the debate of whether she was up. Partner in this, or she was an abuse, she was an eviction she was a a battered as well. woman. right?
0: Yeah,
1: um, eventually, Gerald and the oh, so then eventually, yeah, when he came back, he brought the girls with him. Isn't that a land. song? When he comes back, Gerald no! brings the girls Ask with him. Ask me no
0: questions, I'll tell <laughs> you no, <laughs> no lies. I
1: think That's so. That's like a thing, yeah. It is. It's a thing. Oh
0: well he don't probably thought he's like all clever. Ugh
2: Sicko.
0: Some kind of me a question. Mm. I mean we could look it up our questions in a lion This isn't like played with a lute.
1: Uh um, yeah, I don't know. For the it sounds king. familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it doesn't go back that far.
0: I don't think it goes back mm. that far at all.
1: We're gonna kick ourselves. <laughs> when medieval <we> times. <laughs> Um blem, 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 blem. When they got back in the van, Gerald told Charlene to drive to another area that he had chosen. Once they arrived, Gerald ordered the girls out of the van and shot them.
0: Wait, I thought he bad. came back without the girls.
1: Um, I made a mistake when I said that. Oh. He returned to the van oh. with the girls.
0: That's awful. These poor... I mean, I can't even imagine how terrifying their last hours were. Ugh.
1: Oh. Yeah. On September 13th, Why two are days later... people so evil? I don't know. People fucking suck. Humans they suck. Just two days after the young girls disappeared, two migrant farm workers discovered their bodies. Oh. It was around this time that Gerald took Charlene to an abortion clinic and forced her to abort their unborn child. Which sucks, I mean, but better for that child.
0: No, so much better for the child.
1: Because they would have had a fucked up life. I mean, look at his kids already.
0: Yeah, well, he would have probably sexually assaulted his children, his new child.
1: Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, and about 14 days after the abortion, his daughter Krista filed charges of incest, sodomy, oral copulation, and unlawful intercourse.
0: Good for you, girl.
1: Um, and then, of course, like, Two days after that, Charlene and Gerald were married. Not wanting to face the charges his daughter filed, Gerald decided it was his best uh, bet to get out of Dodge. So he just bailed. Him and um, Charlene, they well, they were staying in Texas, in Houston, and that's when Gerald took on the alias Stephen Fail
0: he's a failure at life. He's a failure. Sucks.
1: On on June 24th, 1978... (sniffs) On June... On June 24th, 1978, Father's Day, Gerald decided he wanted to abduct another girl or girls. The couple went to the Washoe County Fair, and Gerald sent Charlene off to find the new victims. Charlene soon came upon... 14 year old Brenda Lynn Judd no. and 13 year old Sandra K. Colley. I'm
0: so young.
1: She approached the girls and offered them money to distribute handbills and place them on the windshields of parked cars. The two girls quickly agreed and followed Charlene back to the van.
0: They're probably like so stoked.
1: Yeah, we can make money and then like buy and stuff then, at the fair. Or or they go could, play like, some play games. games. Yeah. Because once again, it was probably one of those things drop your kids off at the fair they just do like what they get, do like, some like, p- treats, yeah
0: like some funnel cake and play some games and try and win the giant stuffed teddy bear
1: yep but oh. instead when they arrived at the van Gerald and a 44 caliber pistol greeted them mm. he immediately forced them into the van and bound their feet and wrists he then commanded Charlene to drive as he began sexually assaulting the two young girls in the back of the van Hours later, Gerald and Charlene drive to into the high Nevada desert. Once there, Gerald let the girls off one at a time, carrying with him a hammer and a shovel.
0: Oh my god.
1: On septem- in September of 79, the Gallegos moved back to Sacramento, continuing to use the aliases Mr. and Mrs. Fail.
0: See, this is why I always tell Mom that I can't believe she survived living in Sacramento. Through her whole like adolescence, yeah, because this shit was going on like nonstop, all of it. a lot like, of it, nonstop. It's insane. He's just one of the many.
1: Yeah, around the same time too.
0: Oh my god, how any woman survived the fifties through the eighties in Sacramento? It's like I unbelievable.
1: Know. I don't know. There seemed to be a lot of crazy people murdering in the nineties.
0: Oh, tons of like rapists and. Ugh.
1: Uh-huh.
0: The fuck, Sacramento?
1: The fuck. So they moved back to Sacramento. Yeah, lovely. (laughs) He was able to get a job as a bartender.
0: Oh good. I'm glad he found work. Not only did he find work,
1: but he found a woman who wanted to have an affair with him by the name of Patty. Oh fun. Whom eventually, unbeknownst to Gerald, became pregnant with his child. This dude dude is fertile.
0: (laughs) Oh. Jesus. Like always, the worst ones, and then there are people who want to have children and like can't, and this dude's having kids left and right. Like, yeah. ugh.
1: Yep. Yep. What a sicko. <sighs> well, it gets sicker. I well, know. I mean,
0: I mean, it's it's all sick. It's been bad.
1: <laughs> On the morning of April twenty fourth, nineteen eighty, Gerald awoke Charlene and demanded, "I want a girl. Get up." Ugh. <sighs> Gerald and Charlene drove around eyeing the crowds of teenagers in the parking lot of Tower Records in Sacramento.
0: <gasps> oh, uh, Tower was the coolest.
1: Seeing too many cops mixed in for their liking, they oh. moved on to the Sunrise Mall in Citrus Heights. Oh,
2: whoa. About
1: 20 minutes outside of Sacramento. They'd had good luck at the mall with their first victims. Oh, oh the first mall that they were at was Arden Fairmont. Shut
0: mall. up! Mm-hmm. oh my god
1: mm-hmm.
0: also I'll never forget <laughs> in high school when one of my friends was like oh what mall do you go to and I was like Arden Fair and she's like that mall's ghetto and I was like <laughs> what no I mean, it's
1: not to be fair all the malls in Sacramento were ghetto they're
0: pretty ghetto but that wasn't <laughs> bad
1: it's a really rough neighborhood I think they had a shooting
0: there like not that long uh, after <laughs> at least one it's a
1: pretty rough neighborhood
0: I was so offended.
1: There's always people shooting people <laughs> in those apartment buildings around there. Uh, <laughs> uh, so there... are oh, such a bummer, though. Yeah. Uh, oh, he spotted two girls, 17-year-old Karen Chipman Twiggs and 17-year-old Stacy Ann R- Redican, coming out of a bookstore. Mm. Charlene approached the two girls and offered them to join her in the van on the pretext of smoking some weed. The girls eagerly agreed and followed her back to the van. As the girls got into the back of the van, Gerald greeted them with a 357 Magnum pistol. He quickly commanded Charlene to drive east on 180 and ordered the two girls to undress. Um,
0: 180 or
1: sorry, I-80? I-80. I- <laughs> totally, like... <laughs> It's like, where the hell is 180?
0: 180?
1: (laughs) Okay, drive east on (laughs) I-80 and order the girls to undress. Gerald took turns raping and sexually assaulting them.
2: Uh.
1: After he was content, he again had Charlene drive to a secluded area and led the girls one at a time into the woods, carrying a hammer and a shovel. However, this time, he forced Charlene to view the graves. Oh, She claimed that she saw movement, but Gerald insisted that they were good and dead. No, no. Then they left. This time, though, Charlene wouldn't let him keep his weapon. She flung the hammer out the van window on the way back to Sacramento. And they used that as, like, a... She was in on it because she was getting rid of evidence. Oh, it
0: sounds like she was, like, done. She was like, stop this. No,
1: No, what they're saying is, like, before, because he would keep the guns... Yeah, and the hammer and stuff and that it was evidence that could link back to them so she was like we need to get smarter about this and get rid of the evidence
0: except for this was the first time that she saw the grave so maybe it was like a little more traumatizing she so she, she could just like, like
1: talk herself out of believing yeah, that they were dead before yeah
0: or she could like pretend that like That's I don't know what valid. but she could like or maybe since she saw movement she's like I think they're still alive like it could have been like super
1: it could have been, yeah.
0: For whatever reason, like this was like the limit, so she was like, I'm done like no, you can't take this with you. That's fucked up. Maybe. It was like all she could do.
1: I believe I mean I could see that side. I too. mean, I'm
0: kind of on the battered woman side that just the it beginning like of it, their yeah. relationship being so awful. Yeah. She was probably in fear. Like, this dude sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, This <laughs> dude sucks.
0: <laughs> he sucks. Okay.
1: On July 27th, 1980, picnickers discovered the coyote ravaged remains of oh, Karen and no. Stacy in two and shallow, Stacey. yeah, in two shallow graves in an area 20 miles outside of Lovelock, Nevada.
0: Holy shit, he like took them across the border.
1: Uh-huh. They had both been raped and suffered massive and fatal head injuries by a blunt instrument. <sighs> In May of 1980, Charlene was again pregnant with Gerald. With Gerald, pregnant by Gerald, and he was again pissed off.
0: Okay, dude, that's your fault. Wrap it up. (laughs) Wrap it up. Jesus Christ.
1: Seriously, seriously. Yeah, no, it's his fault. Piece of shit.
0: Yeah, really. He should have done that like the day he was born.
1: Men that want to keep having unprotected sex and not take responsibility for their children. Should fucking get a vasectomy. It's yeah. not that big of a deal. It's a tiny procedure. You but you get,
0: know, when women don't want to get pregnant, they just shut it all down.
1: Right. You could just be like, nope, just turn nope, it off. Nope. And then and your what body's happens? Like, hey, no, what no. happens is um, these little stop signs inside the vagina, yeah. like pop out. That's right. And they're like, like on school bus. Yeah. They like, like flip stop, out. Stop. Yeah. And then the little sperms are like, yeah.
0: oh, oh, sorry. They're very sorry. respectful. Yes. And they oh, we'll just turn around. My bad. Okay.
1: And they tip their hats. and then they leave.
0: Guys, we're making a U turn. Come like, on.
1: So really, you're right. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. It's the woman's fault. It's
0: always the woman's fault.
1: <laughs> and just uh, to show how much he loved her, on J- June 1st, 1980, they got married again.
2: Oh, but they this renewed time, their vows? But this time
1: they were wed as Mr. and Mrs. Stephen Robert Fale instead of their actual names.
0: How romantic.
1: Yeah. Feeling that his new marriage helped cement the new his new identity and... Further obfuscate his old one.
0: Yeah, plus it was probably like, he was like super sweet, and she's like, oh yeah, things are gonna change now we have these new yeah. names.
1: Oh. Yeah. He's a
0: failure at being a human being.
1: <laughs> the, the Galegos, now living as the Fails, <laughs> were on a small vacation in Oregon when they spied their next victim.
2: Hmm.
1: It was June 7th, 1980, and Linda Aguilar wasn't gerald's type she was 21 had dark hair and eyes and was pregnant but
0: no way. when he saw her
1: walking beside the highway he decided he had to have oh her.
0: my god that poor woman
1: he slowed the van down and asked linda if she needed a ride linda on her way home from a local store accepted
0: because oh, she's pregnant she needs a ride yep
1: oh. charlene knew the routine by now Presently, Jerry, Jerry, why did I write Jerry? Ew, was. Uh, Don't <laughs> call him Jerry. <laughs> Whoever wrote this part of the article said Jerry. Obviously, I copied and pasted.
0: Thank you, journalists. You, Thank are you are doing the real work here. You're all amazing.
1: You people that, I guess, upload your papers onto Murderpedia, you're awesome. Um, Linda was on her way home, blah, blah, blah. Gerald ordered her to, ordered Charlene to drive and began his sexual assault in a while they stopped and Charlene wandered about in the woods killing time until Gerald was ready to go when he found a spot he felt was suitably isolated he took Linda away from the van striking her with a rock then strangling her so he's like almost turning more savage now like before he was going from like gunshot just like he would do like two or three punch punch-ups to the head,
2: yeah. and
1: now it's like that's not enough. He needs like well, more and trauma for
0: um, Charlene or whatever her new name is. Like these are probably the times that he's not hurting her, so yeah. she's like goes along with it. She gets a pleasant walk in the woods, you know. Ugh. Uh-huh. God, he's the worst. <laughs> uh,
1: Just when you think <laughs> I can't find the worst. the worst, you always <laughs> <laughs> find the worst.
0: You find the worst. You have a real knack yeah. for it
1: on june 22nd 1980 german tourists walking the beach discovered linda's badly decomposing body after an autopsy was completed it was determined that gerald was unsuccessful in murdering linda (gasps) she actually had awakened after the captors had after Uh. her captors left and in her panic and struggle to get free suffocated in the sand
0: (gasps) oh honey Oh my god, that's awful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Poor, it's poor. It's not woman. just like over with. Like, Ugh. oh my god. Ugh. So if he was trying to go for more torment and pain, he succeeded.
0: Oh my god. Oh, and she's probably all worried about her baby. Oh.
1: And authorities first believed that Linda Aguilar, who was known as. A bit of a free spirit had oh. merely wandered off. Oh no. But as the days passed, suspicion mounted when her body was found later that month and police suspected her boyfriend of the killing.
0: Oh no. That's always the worst. Yeah. Like he lost a baby yeah. and like who knows, his maybe partner, the love of his life and Yep. They suspect him. Ugh. Uh-huh. So he's mourning, and
1: he's like, they're probably
0: just being awful. Yeah,
1: um, but police couldn't find any evidence against him, and it was all like anything they had against him was circumstantial. But they didn't really have anything against him, and he had a pretty good alibi. He was working during the time.
0: Yeah, still awful to go through. And I guess they didn't like arrest him. And I
1: guess he took he willingly took a um,
0: polygraph polygraph
1: test and passed. Not that that says anything, (sighs) but like. But yeah. at least they didn't, like, yeah.
0: pursue it further. He's not in jail for it.
1: Um, yeah, because, like, he had, I guess he had beaten Linda before, so that's oh, why they were, like, no. suspicious of him. Oh, no. But I don't know what, um, evidence there was for that. Okay, or it was how just about we article. don't beat our partners? Yeah. How
0: mm-hmm. about we, like, actually or love they- and protect them?
1: Here's a wild idea. <laughs> uh, it's just in.
0: Uh, don't beat the people you're supposed to love. Don't, don't beat anyone, actually. I'm going to expand that. Just don't beat anybody. Just stop
1: touching other people.
0: Yeah, keep your hands to yourselves. Hands Did to you yourselves. Did we not learn this in preschool?
1: I mean, we learned it, and every time we would go to an antique shop, and That's mom would right. say, don't touch anything.
0: That applies to people. Yes. Don't touch anyone. Just
1: don't touch anything. Anyone.
0: Just don't do it. Um Poor Linda. Yeah. Oh, God. Also, those German tourists are never coming back to the United States.
1: Fuck this.
0: Uh,
1: on Jared Lai, or Galay Galat, on July 17th, 1980, Gerald's 34th birthday.
0: Oh, my God. He's only 34 at this point? Yep. Dude.
1: And she's 24. Oh, God. It was only a month and a half since the brutal rape and murder of Linda. He and Charlene spent the day drinking themselves silly. And then they spent the evening doing even more drinking at the Sale Inn, a bar in West Sacramento. Mm. Gerald was belligerent and boastful that night and seemed to pay no special attention to Virginia Mogul, the bartender. When closing time came, though, he told Charlene he wasn't ready to leave. They waited in the parking lot, and when Virginia came out, after locking up the bar, Gerald forced her into the van with his 357.
0: Oh, Virgie, no.
1: I know, so, like, I saw, like, an interview with people, because there there were, like, a lot of locals that would go to the bar, and it was an interview with her sister-in-law or something that said, like, they always worried about her leaving the bar, because it was like... A lady leaving at night sketchy but yeah. she always like reassured them that usually there were two or three local guys that would always stay and walk her to yeah. her car but that night she had told them that she was okay and that they should just leave oh early god. and not to wait for her because she was going to take a little more time
0: yeah and you always feel bad because people are like hanging around it's like oh really like it's fine, fine. but
1: it's ugh. been fine before yeah nothing's ever happened and you don't
0: want to put anybody out like you don't want them oh my god
1: yeah Because it seemed like they were, like, really tight-knit.
0: Always make everyone Uh, wait. Just make them wait. Yeah,
1: just make them wait. It's not an inconvenience, really.
0: When I worked at the store and I had to close up by myself, it was spooky as hell. And I'd have to, like, run a block home. And it was, like, scary. Yeah.
1: No. And I was like, look,
0: I'm a tiny person. Like, why am I closing?
1: Yeah. No. Not cool. Not cool. There should be teams of people closing anyway. Yep. (sighs) Um,
0: Yeah, there should always be at least two people.
1: Yeah, safety, safety in numbers. But this time, instead of heading out to the countryside, he drove the van home. The strange thing about this victim...
0: Wait, uh, he grabbed her?
1: He grabbed her, put her in the van, and instead of taking her out to the country, he he decided to take her home. And the thing that was different about this victim, other than the fact that she was much older than the previous victims, Mm -hmm. um, was that... Gerald and Charlene knew her because they had been to the bar on several occasions. So, like, they had been served oh. drinks from her. Mm-hmm. Like, the other girls were just like, I see them, pick them up. Yeah. I don't know who they are. They knew... They at least knew of her because they had bought drinks from her right. before. Um, so that was a little bit different. Um, and at any rate, of course, Gerald raped Virginia... Charlene waited out, waited inside watching television.
0: Oh, Charlene!
1: And when he finished, Gerald told Charlene to get in the van, and afterwards, um, Virginia begged him to kill her.
0: Oh no!
1: He gladly obliged and strangled her.
0: Oh, Virginia! He
1: then dumped her body by a pond outside Clarksburg.
0: Clarksburg. Clarksburg. Clarkspur. I don't know. Yeah. It's not a burg, it's a purr.
1: Ah, the old burr. (laughs) Purr. Purr? I
0: think it's Clarkspur.
1: Clarkspur?
0: Yeah, isn't it? Am I making that up? No, not Clarksburg. What's Clarkspur? I'm gonna look it up right now. Is that where cats live? Yeah. All the Clark (laughs) cats. Cats named Clark live in Clarkspur. I'm pretty sure. Let me look. Clark, Clarkspur. I'm gonna feel so dumb if this isn't Clarkspur. I was so convinced too. Oh, it's Larkspur. Yeah, That's Larkspur why. is a different place than Clarkspur. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there is a Clarkspur Lane <laughs> in San Jose.
1: No, what? i am I talking about?
0: Damn. Damn. We'll cut all that. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> Shit, Larkspur. Mm.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, on October 3rd, 1980, a fisherman discovered the nude, decomposing remains of Virginia Mopal in some brush near Clarksburg. (laughs)
0: Listen, I've lived here my whole life, and I don't know shit about it.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. We try and ignore it.
0: (laughs) That's probably best that you do.
1: No, that's awful. Luckily, patrons of the sale inn reported that two strangers... Now, so, since they had been so boisterous when they were in there, people made note of them. And they were able to say that a man named Stephen and his girlfriend Charlene had come into the bar that night. police were able to track Gerald down at his new bartending job. And he admitted he'd been at the sale inn that night but knew nothing of what became of Virginia. Hmm. Charlene gave similar answers and told police offhandedly that she and her boyfriend had been fishing that day, which was suspicious since when Virginia's body was found, her hands were bound with fishing line, which raised the detective's Hmm. suspicions because usually they use tape.
0: Do you think she did that on purpose?
1: I don't know, like a like a try, try for help, like a
0: wink, wink, yeah. but
1: don't like,
0: yeah, I'm
1: not telling you anything, but right. I'm telling you something, right? Could be,
0: <gasps> whoa,
1: it could be, but the investigation ground to a halt because they didn't have any further evidence. And no, on November first, nineteen eighty, Gerald told Charlene, "I'm getting that feeling." Oh, God. He didn't need to explain further. She knew exactly what he meant. In the early mornings of November... Isn't it
0: just great when you just can read your partner's mind? It's like finish
1: each other's sentences. (laughs) Oh, God.
0: Ugh.
1: Worst. So bad. On November 2nd, 1980, Charlene drove as he scanned crowds at various shopping centers for candidates. It took a while. Excuse me? Candidates, that's right.
0: That's an odd word, (laughs) Charlene.
1: Victims, victims
0: oh yeah that's better
1: it took a while and charlene it's more accurate realizing that the game was getting ever more dangerous was ready to give up for the, the game
0: night. who wrote that
1: i know <laughs> and head home but early on uh, but gerald ordered her to stop the car at the arden fair mall oh <gasps> a popular shopping center
0: so popular
1: She was shocked to see that his intended victims were not two young girls, but a man and a woman, probably college students. I don't know why I said probably, because they were college students. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, they were college students at Sac State, and they were at Arden Fair at um, some kind of fraternity-like events. I guess they were having dinner at some restaurant at the mall, Uh and so... um, Gerald saw Whoa. the young couple, twenty-two-year-old Craig Miller and his fiancee, twenty-one-year-old Mary Elizabeth Sowers, oh. standing on the side of the street. In his most brazen attempt yet, Gerald got out of the car, walked right up to them, pulled out a twenty-five caliber Beretta. Where
0: is he getting all of these guns?
1: So it, he just like he collected guns. He had he loved guns. Why the is that, said that when He's they went, like a felon. Yeah, but he's not. He's not a felon. I don't know because Armed when robbery? I don't know, because when police said that like they like searched his house maybe it was later. When they searched his house they said that um the house was like immaculately clean, but that like on surfaces were like guns and uh-huh. like bullets just like everywhere, like like uh, lined up like they were like
0: That's terrifying on display kind of. Also like very terrifying and menacing Yeah. to do that shit. Um <sighs> So I guess Carl Fail, or whatever the hell his name Steven. is. Steven. Steven Fail is not a felon. Right. How, oh, that's so trippy that you could just, like, change your identities so easily back then.
1: i you, you, just gotta scratch it on some cardboard and paste your picture on, and you're good to go.
0: Well, Dad had his, like, fake military IDs so you get into bars. It's just like, they what? didn't have pictures! They didn't even have pictures on them. You're just, like, Hold type up, up. basically something. How say, could
1: <laughs> you get all the cool information, <laughs> and I don't get any of this?
0: Maybe I shouldn't say. <laughs>
1: he had a fake military yeah. idea to get discounts on drinks.
0: No, to get into bars. I think, uh, but he, he, he never got carded. He said Uncle Ray would always get carded, and he never would. That's
1: because Dad had a fabulous beard by the Since time he, he was, was two. like, yeah,
0: <laughs> a mustache.
1: <laughs> no, full on beard. When? When he was younger.
0: Didn't he go back and forth?
1: Mm, he had like a full on beard for like most of his twenties.
0: Yeah, he was never carded, but if he was... Also,
1: during this pandemic with the masks, yeah. I haven't been carded once.
0: Yeah, no, they don't card you anymore.
1: Because they can't, because they can't be like, can you remove your mask so I can see that your picture is Life pro tip. <laughs> just buy... All you kids no, out there... No, don't. That's that. Do not buy alcohol. Don't
0: buy alcohol, because it's really easy right now, so you won't get carded.
1: really bad for you. I'm just going to say that we are both plenty of there, age...
0: That we can legally we buy
1: older. anything. <laughs> check out anyway, the timbre of my voice. Check it out. I okay. am a man. You need to take, a sip. take a sippy. Okay. Mm. You just said I'm a
0: man and then you said take a sippy. Take All a in sippy.
1: Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> men can say whatever the hell they want.
1: Real men wear pink.
0: say sippy
1: sippy (laughs) 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 so he pointed a gun at their face and ordered them into the car
0: yeah now we're back to this horribleness okay let's go
1: so i was like i was reading or i was watching something where it said that he like the one of the frat brothers came out and was like talked like oh i
0: remember this (gasps) oh Cause the frat brother wrote into something like my favorite murder or something.
1: Oh, he did. Yeah.
0: Yes. And oh. they're like, Oh, just wait a minute. And they're like, wouldn't wait or something. And then he like always thinks about it.
1: No. Well, he was like, how's it go? Like he was like joking with them, I guess. Like, cause they were in the back seat of their car or something. Like he had ordered them into the back seat of their car. Yeah. And they were going to steal that car. And he like jokingly came out and like got in the front seat and was like, where are we going? And then the oh, girl, um, see, Uh, uh, mary mary elizabeth was like now isn't like you got to get out of the car and, oh my the god. Time or whatever. and so they got um. out and so he thought it was weird and he and um charlene like came at him like screaming like get
0: away from him or
1: something something weird where he was like what the fuck and oh my god but they were all supposed to meet up later that night so he was like okay whatever but he thought it was weird so he wrote down their license plate number yeah. of the van yeah i think someone
0: like wrote in that that was their dad like a hometown
1: yeah so then like when they <gasps> oh, didn't when imagine? they didn't show up later that night to some mm-hmm. other event that they had he called the cops and gave i mean them quick the license thinking but can you
0: imagine like that's the last oh
1: Ugh. yeah um
0: and she was like saved him mary elizabeth
1: yeah yeah charlene drove for a while out into el dorado county and then gerald told her to stop he commanded Craig out of the car as the young man turned to walk towards the front of the vehicle. He aimed oh, his Craig. pistol and shot the boy point-blank range in the back of the head. I don't know why it says boy, though, because he was a man of 22 or something. That's still a boy. Um, while his fiance looked on oh, in horror, no. Gerald then filed, fired two more shots into Craig's head as he lay lifeless on the ground.
0: Just to be awful.
1: Yeah because he knew she was watching. Oh, God. Gerald got back into the vehicle and ordered Charlene to drive to their apartment. Once back at the apartment, Gerald took his new sex slave into the bedroom and raped her for hours on end. Charlene watched television. And when Gerald was finished raping Mary Beth, she drove... Or Mary Beth? Mary Elizabeth. Mary Elizabeth. Okay. Yeah. Mary Elizabeth. She drove uh, the two onto the... Con- out into the country again. Once there, Gerald ordered Mary out of the car. He shot her three times at Point Lake Range. Um, and like I said, when the two never made it back, back to meet up with their friends, they turned over the license plate number to the police.
2: Good for them.
1: And Craig Miller's fraternity brother also was able to identify a picture of Gerald as the man he'd seen in the Oldsmobile with Craig and wow. Mary Elizabeth. Charles Williams, who, Charles Williams, who is um, Charlene's dad, told police that Stephen Fale's real name was Gerald Gallego, and that and um, one of the people that worked at the bar that he worked at call, called the police to let them know that there's possible evidence at the bar because one night when Gerald was working there, he thought it would be funny to get people's attention by firing two rounds into the ceiling of oh the bar. Oh my
0: god.
1: So there were still bullets <sighs> stuck in the ceiling. What a
0: dumbass.
1: So they went over to the bar, pulled <sighs> these bullets out, and were able to match <gasps> the bullets. Wow. Yeah.
0: Good thing he's a dumbass. Yep. Um. That's his one redeeming quality.
1: They drove to Reno. No, he has none. No, he has none. No, no,
0: no. <laughs> I take it back.
1: They drove to Reno, where they ditched the Oldsmobile and boarded a bus for Salt Lake City. Oh, good. On January 17th, 81, uh, Charlene called her parents from Salt Lake City asking for money, which they wired to her. And then she and Gerald moved to Denver, then to Omaha, Nebraska, where she once again called her parents. And during this time, the cops had been, like, checking up on the parents. Yeah. And they were like, you need to tell us where they are. And... Um, this time when they were wiring the money to Nebraska, the FBI was in on it, and so the agents were waiting at the Western Union office in Omaha when Charlene walked in to pick up the money. Yeah, good. And, um, Gerald was waiting outside for her. So... Um... When... Um, oh, so while they're, like, waiting in the prison ward or the jail or whatever, awaiting their trial and stuff, Mm. Charlene gave birth to Gerald Armand Gallego Jr., and she gave custody to her parents.
0: Oh, good. She made him a junior, because you want that name to live on.
1: Yep. Um, Charlene struck a deal took a while but eventually prosecutors arranged for her to plead guilty to the murders of craig miller and mary elizabeth Sowers. in exchange for her plea and her testimony against gerald she was given a sentence of 16 years and eight months which was the minimum time that she could that she could serve um to be sentenced in california for first degree murder
2: yeah
1: um she struck a similar deal with Nevada authorities pleading guilty to the second-degree murder of Karen Twiggs and Stacy Redican and received the same sentence. Oregon prosecutors decided to let California and Nevada bear the expense of investigation and trial and declined to file charges. So she
0: must have told them about the other murders because they only knew about the two. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So that was her deal. She basically spoke. Then she would be able to basically get the minimum um,
0: I think that's fair
1: and I think she was also very she was very scared of Gerald because she thought that he had ties that could like take hurt her
0: yeah I'm so sure. she
1: wanted to serve her time in Nevada because he didn't have as many like people that he knew
0: yeah no I'm sure she was deathly afraid of him
1: she was also afraid because apparently he had threatened in the past that if she had ever left or yeah. told anyone about anything, yeah. that he would not only ha- hunt her down but her family as well.
0: Yep, fair so, tactics. Yeah, yeah. So for sure.
1: Um, authorities in California were not happy with the well, planet. and one
0: hundred percent she believed him because he's out there murdering people. So why would he care about her? Ugh.
1: Yeah.
0: I think that's a fair deal.
1: If you go the battered woman cake clause, um. Like, I feel like route, she did then, have yeah. some
0: responsibility in not, like, leaving, but it's, like, also very hard, especially when you're in know, fear for your family. Because a lot
1: of the times I was like, well, she. Okay, so there were times when she was, like, just sitting there. She could have driven off. She could have. She was
0: so afraid. But
1: she was, yeah, yeah. when you're in that mindset and you don't, brainwashed. You don't think there is another way. She was so
0: afraid of him that she wanted to be in Nevada. Because he could get to her. Like, yeah. yeah. No, she's definitely brainwashed.
1: But authorities in California were not happy with the plea bargain and tried to have it withdrawn. But in late 83... (laughs) In late 80...
0: There was a rustling about. 83,
1: there was a rustling about. Um, A a Sacramento County Superior Court judge dropped the charges against Charlene in the Miller and Sowers deaths. Hmm. With the infighting over, the way was clear to prosecute Gerald.
0: And that fucker should have been tortured for the rest of his life.
1: Gerald, exhibiting the same hubris that had brought him to his current state, decided to serve as his own attorney.
0: Oh boy! (laughs) Oh boy.
1: His misadventure in defense began...
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> with, exactly what it is.
1: ...with his deferring his rights to an opening statement.
0: Oh, that's a good un- start.
1: Until after the prosecution had made its own statement.
0: Yeah, they go first.
1: Yeah. He further damaged his case in- <laughs> and credibility by offering no cross-examination of Mercedes Williams, one of the prosecute- prosecution's most effective witnesses,
0: Mercedes. which was
1: Charlene's mother.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm. hmm
0: Um He's like, I don't wanna talk to her. She's mean.
1: Basically. <laughs> and but he did cross examine Charlene.
0: Oh god. See, okay. Wait.
1: For six days. Yeah.
0: No, see it's <laughs> all fun and games until they actually get to cross examine their victims and then it's like you're just a sick buck who's drawing this out as much as possible. Yeah. Because you're getting enjoyment days. out of this. Yep. Ugh. That it's not fun anymore.
1: <laughs> During the prosecution's questioning, Charlene had offered a defense for her lack of action. She had been afraid of Gerald, she said. God. He beat her and threatened her. He demanded and kept all the money she made. And when she expressed doubt or displeasure, she testified that he shamed her, saying that she wasn't the girl with heart he thought she was.
0: Ugh. What an,
1: ugh. During the cross-examination, Gerald tried to undermine her credibility offering as evidence a love note she'd written him after their capture. He portrayed her as an unstable drug addict and got her to admit to a lesbian affair she'd had while in jail awaiting trial.
0: That probably really bothered him, that she was, like, (laughs) getting
1: some. Uh, Oh. Yeah, because what's he getting in prison, in jail? Hopefully the worst of the worst. Yeah, hopefully he's been raped.
0: I mean, don't hope that on anyone. But he needs to be tortured.
1: But like, if anyone, forever. he should be.
0: He needs to be tortured forever. Cause fuck that guy. Uh,
1: on the final day of questioning, Gerald came to his point. Mrs. Gallego, he said, "Isn't the bottom line of your deal to blame both these murders on me to save yourself?" Charlene shot back, "No, it's n- no, it is not." It seemed unthinkable that Gerald could do anything to further undermine his own defense, but he did. <laughs> oh,
0: yes! He what put he himself do? on the stand. Oh, my God. Which
1: allowed prosecutors to catch him in countless yeah. inconsistencies.
0: Never testify on your own behalf.
1: <laughs> in his closing statement, he admitted he'd taken a legal licking.
0: <laughs> but asked I hate ju- that phrase.
1: But asked the jury to believe him on faith, if nothing else.
0: Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> they did not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy.
1: <laughs> On July 21st, 83, Gerald Gallego was sentenced to death for the murders of Craig Miller and Mary Beth Sowers.
0: It's not enough.
1: It's not enough. Following the California trial, Gerald was charged in Nevada for the murders of Stacey Redican, Taren- Karen Twiggs, Brenda Judd, and Sandra Colley. Oh. As Judd and Collie's bodies had not been found... The state's best evidence was in the Retican and Twiggs case. Charlene had led investigators to a ball of white macrame rope in Gerald's car. The rope matched the that found binding the hands of the bodies of Retican and Twigs.
0: Oh, something as innocent as a macrame rope.
1: hmm mm. Gerald's second trial began May... Oh, that's what I said. May 23rd, 84, in Pershing County, Nevada. This time, he let a public defender, Gary Marr, handle his case. Oh, <laughs> he, he learned. learned. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the strategy was to try and discredit Charlene's testimony. It's
0: not enough, though. Like, he's so fucked up, that's not enough. No. As star wi-
1: as star witness, she gave a detailed account of the last hours of Stacy Redican and oh. Karen Twiggs.
0: I mean, honestly, though, if you're a defense attorney and you get that case, fucking... Bleed out? They probably won't let you. Just, what try are you gonna do? And get, you try
1: and get a deal if you can. Oh. That's
0: just, like, open and shut.
1: Marr had no more luck swaying the jury than Gerald had. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> And it took just two and a half hours to return a guilty verdict.
0: That's the paperwork, and that's it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Gerald was sentenced to death, becoming one of the few American criminals to be put on death row in two states simultaneously. Nice. After Gallego's 1984 death sentence for kidnapping murders of Stacy Redican and Karen Twiggs was reversed on appeal, mm. he was given a new penalty hearing in 1999. Whoa! The new jury took less than an hour to sentence him again to death a second time for the 99? murder of the two young women. Yep.
0: When did he go on trial?
1: 84, the second time. Oh, uh, Yeah. So, while in prison, Charlene studied a wide range of subjects, from psychology to business to Icelandic literature.
0: Wow!
1: She was a pretty intellect, she's a pretty intellectual woman, said Nevada District Judge Richard Wagner, who was the lead prosecutor in Pelego's Nevada trial. She has a phenomenal mind, which made her a tremendous witness. She had almost a photographic memory about the victims, down to the shoes and clothes. Oh my god! Yeah, sucks to be in her mind. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: Um, Charlene Gallego, known since the midnight, since the mid nineteen eighties, by she she went back to Charlene Williams,
0: yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah,
1: and she was released from Nevada prison on Jul- in July of nineteen ninety seven. Um. She did not tell authorities where she was headed, but agreed to register as a felon wherever she took up residence. Gerald Gallego died of rectal cancer on July 18th, 2002. I
0: mean, that's a little justice. (laughs) I hope it was painful. It
1: had spread to his lungs and kidneys. Good. Um, He was 56 years old at the Nevada Prison System, uh, when he died in the Nevada Prison System Medical Center. The skeletal remains found in Lassen County, California oh. li- um years later were oh they were found in ninety nine. Oh. I think that's why he had like a retrial or whatever. Uh-huh. And they were DNA tested and verified to be those of Brenda Judd fourteen and Sandra Collie thirteen. Ugh, it's so awful. Yeah. Their remains were found along US Highway 395, some 20 miles north of Reno.
0: I mean, your mom, like, drops you off at the mall with your friend, and it's like, okay, I'll come pick you up at whatever. And they come to pick them up, and they're not there.
1: Ugh. Yeah. Aww. Charlene Williams served her time, and CBS 13. Has learned, she returned to the Sacramento area Why? and is living among us.
0: Why? Because that's where she
1: grew up. That was her home. But she's, her, you know, last name is Williams. She's now in her 50s. She's a soft-spoken um, woman oh. who is focused on her future. And she's been apparently, like, Hopefully in
0: a, a lot of therapy. <laughs> uh,
1: I think so. I said, she said that, like, she was giving a lot of her time and efforts like a hundred percent of her time and efforts to charities
0: oh yeah and she still has a kid wow
1: yeah i think i was watching something where like the kid like her she's like yeah trying to get uh, because her parents have custody of the kid right who's like an adult now right so um, so no
0: one has custody they're like yeah
1: i think they're like (laughs) mending their relationship or whatever wow Yeah, when you ask her about her past She has a hard time saying her real name And Gerald Gallego's name Um And she said I didn't kill any of them Of the ten victims She said she never even wanted to be a part of the killings No, for God's sake No, no, I never did He's just one sick bastard he was Mm. William said I would have done anything I could If I could have stopped him I know I couldn't have stopped him I tried to stop him I put him on death row. Am I proud of that? Yes, I am, said Williams. I see it every day. I always see it. It never goes away. There isn't one more than another. Um, They're all horrible, horrible memories, every single one. She says, Galego controlled her with fear, threatening to kill her family, raping and abusing her. Yeah, I'm sure. I tried to get away. I tried. And people, especially women, will say, well, if you want to get away, you can always get away. Yeah. It's not that easy it's not that easy at all she said yeah i don't know why galego didn't kill me because he sure tried for years william lived undetected in the sacramento area but instead of returning to a life of crime williams has turned to charity work like i said williams says she can't undo the past she's determined to prove that she belongs among the very same people who decades ago feared they would be her next victim it isn't so much that i really changed It's so much that I was finally able to be myself, she said.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, when, and she said that when the rapes and killings began, she didn't escape because she believed that the gal, oh, I already said this, like Lego would hunt her down even if she turned to the police.
2: Yeah.
1: There were victims who died and there were victims who lived, she said. Whoa. It was, it has taken me a hell of a long time to realize that I'm one of the ones who lived. Yeah. I think that's a pretty impactful statement.
0: Yeah. Well, on average I think it takes like eight times to leave an abusive relationship.
1: And then hopefully you don't get killed the ninth time. Or
0: any (laughs) yeah. Yeah, No, it's it's all very bad. It's horrible.
1: So that's the story that I somehow haven't heard of.
0: And I knew about.
1: How rude.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Awful.
1: It's really what the awful. fuck, Sacramento?
0: God, Sacramento is like a hotbed <laughs> for like gross shit. Ugh.
1: Sacramento and Ohio.
0: Is it because it's like too hot? Yeah, what the fuck, Ohio? <laughs> <laughs> Shit's going down in Ohio. I
1: don't know. Yeah, it's too hot. It just boils your brain. Yeah,
0: it's so fucking hot. What's that dry heat?
1: <laughs> Jesus, that dry heat. It
0: doesn't boil your brain, it fries it. Yeah. God. Oh. So. Well, I'm glad you did it because I wouldn't want to do that. That's <laughs> awful. <ball.
1: laughs> The tossed salad and the scrambled egg.
0: A tossed salad, a scrambled egg.
1: The tossed salad. A
0: tossed salad
1: and the scrambled egg.
0: A scrambled egg. So, a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway.
1: Right, so the tossed salad has more components, the person is able to com- compartmentalize. And
0: a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong, and they're just completely scrambled.
1: Just one component, one track mind, they're all kinds of mixed up, there's no focus, they're disorganized. Yeah, so I'm gonna say definitely um, he's a tossed salad. No,
0: he's an evil fuck. And he's a toss
1: salad. This just a. Super made of wilty, tossed. slimy la- leaves.
0: Ew, yeah, the ones that you find in the back of your fridge. Yeah. You're like, how long has this been Ugh. in here? There's like mush. God,
1: yeah. Oh. Horrible. I mean. And same thing. He had a fucked up childhood. And somehow she got roped into it. Yeah. But something had to have happened to her as a in her teens that like made her start depending on yeah substances
0: yeah or i mean
1: yeah Why i don't not?
2: know i don't know
1: yeah the more that i kind of read about it because at first i was like oh it's like a bonnie and clyde like
2: Yeah. pew pew
1: but the more i read about it and the more that i like Researched, it seemed it was definitely. No, yeah, she was
0: abused and yeah, terrified. Person
1: syndrome or yeah. yeah, like it's better to stay. It's safer to stay than to go.
0: Yeah, the most dangerous time is when you leave. Because
1: you know the out, like you know the outcome if you stay. You know the abuse that you'll get when you stay. Yeah. But you don't know. The abuse. I mean, it
0: probably is lucky that she even survived because I'm sure he exactly. did really awful things to her.
1: Well, she said that he would, like, beat her up. and yeah. I mean, from the beginning, he was very controlling about yeah. what she wore,
0: taking her money, she so yeah. she had no resources. Even though
1: she was the one making the money,
0: moving them around uh-huh. so that she was isolated from her changing family, changing their names mm-hmm. so they couldn't be found. Ugh.
1: And then, like, marrying her a second yeah. time to be like, see, we're in love.
0: Yeah. Oh, God. Well, and she was so young.
1: Yeah, she's ten years younger than him, so.
0: And they just, like, it just, like, moved really fast. And then before she knew it, she was in this, like, awful relationship where this guy had control over every part of her life. It's fucked up. He's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> they're just, like, a club of them all. And they're just, like, all the worst. They all suck so bad.
1: He is the worst. They're all the worst.
0: Yeah. Should we take a break? Yeah. Yeah. Get some shoes.
1: All right.
0: All right, and we're going.
1: And we're going.
0: Okay, so this one could be a little bit long. um I got my information from Wikipedia and Murderpedia, and I should have gotten it more places, but it was getting so long at that point. I was just like. Good enough. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for we're amazing just... writers at Wikipedia and Murderpedia. I yeah. think that they got it pretty. We're fast.
1: just trying to tell the stories, but. Uh, we take no guarantee that the facts are facts. We're just telling the stories.
0: Yeah, we're telling the stories. <laughs> um, getting some of the information correct, hopefully. <laughs> so this is like, I don't know why I did this to myself, but this takes place in France. Oh. So. <laughs> you had to,
1: did you get on your um, Duolingo uh, to I learn French?
0: I did not, <laughs> because I feel like two languages right now is enough. Um, which actually, recently, Italian's been, like, pretty fun, so. Hmm.
1: I'm gonna
0: nail it. They're going to pretend they don't know what I'm saying, but I'm sure I'm saying it correctly. Okay, so this. Here we go. This here we go. This is the story, the real life story of Marcel Puccio. Does that sound good? Yeah, Puccio. Yeah, I might.
1: Marcel, but actually, you should have said Marce- Marcel Puccio. Puccio.
0: <laughs> I'm going to get this all wrong. I don't... This is, like, the biggest all mistake. Right. Okay. <laughs> Let's just... Here we go.
1: Americanize the names.
0: On Monday morning, March sixth, 1944, foul smoke poured from the... Chi- okay, the person who wrote this is, like, super set the scene, so I'm just going to read there. Mm-hmm. This is from Murderpedia. Poured from the chimney of a stylish home at 21 rue de Sceaux, Paris, Ooh.
1: Belly. Good. (laughs) What's up, Belly?
0: (laughs) Neighbors suspiciously eyed the three-story 19th century house with its private stable and courtyard, once home of a lesser French princess.
1: Oh. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, I mean, a princess lived there, but she wasn't wasn't our favorite one.
0: She wasn't important.
1: We preferred the princess down the road. So,
0: this stylish house sounds amazing. Smokes
1: pouring out of it. Oh, okay.
0: As the hours then... And people
1: are just giving it the stink eye?
0: The neighbors are like, what the fuck? As the hours then days dragged on with no... Days? ...of the noxious smoke, a neighbor finally went to complain on Saturday, March 11th.
1: So, oh, so it started the house on the was, <laughs> So the house wasn't on fire then. Well, Something was burning inside.
0: Yeah, that's a good, that's a good <laughs> assumption. So... Um, he found a note tacked to the door and it said, quote, away for one month. Forward mail to 18th 18... Rue de Lombard in Auxerre. <laughs> it's A-U-X-E-R-R-E. Auxerre. Auxerre.
1: Rue Auxerre. Auxerre. Auxerre.
0: <laughs> um, that's the town.
2: All
0: right. are summoned and a pair of officers on bikes came and neighbors informed them that the owner of the house dr marcel maintained a separate residence two miles away some noted the mysterious parade of callers at an empty house during the past six months including nightly visits from a stranger with a horse and cart some months earlier two trucks had stopped at number 21 the first removing forty-seven suitcases, and the second delivered thirty or forty heavy sacks of something unknown.
1: So things are just coming and going from this.
0: Things are coming and going for six months.
1: And this is before the smoke and stuff. Just yes, things this is just the past
0: six months. Coming
1: and going. That's right. The neighbors are like, "There's all the like no, just." So
0: can you like imagine like someone buys this like super nice house that a lesser princess once owned, and now like. <laughs> weird shit's happening.
2: Mm.
0: So the officers called Dr. Petit at his home. Do you think I'm saying that right?
2: It sounds sounds very (laughs) strange. Dr.
0: Petit And asked if they could enter the house. He said, no, don't do anything. I'll be there in 15 minutes. A half hour later, the smoke was getting worse and there was no sign of Marcel. So the police called in firefighters. Um, they entered through a second-story window and searched the upper floors because they were afraid that the house was on fire. Maybe fire. <laughs> then they entered the basement. They soon came out, and one of them was vomiting. Oh. The chief of the firefighters to the cops said, "You have some work ahead of you." Uh
1: oh. Oh. Any oh. Yeah, get Vomited ready. And it's
0: uh-oh. so we're gonna uh, we're gonna backtrack now. And talk about Dr. Marcel, Marcel Piteux. Marcel André-Henri-Félix Picture was born on January 17th, 1897 in Auxerre, yon France. Oh. <laughs> I'm so I recognize that this.
1: third word that you said.
0: I'm so regretting this. It's Y-O-N-N-E. Yon.
1: I don't know how they say their wife.
0: Please, oh. You don't have to pronounce all of them. Is just a couple. You just pick a few and say it, and then that's French. Your... His teachers thought he was smart and said that he could read at a 10-year-old level when he was only five. Hmm. They also described him as a loner with a short attention span. So, I right. mean, you know. When he was just 11 years old, he brought his dad's gun to school and fired it off in class.
1: Look at me, I make a poo poo.
0: He also propositioned a classmate for sex and was caught passing obscene photos to other kids. One story said it was a little girl, one story said it was a little boy, so I left out. And this is like.
1: This is like.
0: This is an 18. This might be like 1900, early 1900s.
1: So we're talking like
0: old tiny ha- photo
1: yeah like someone had to pose for a while and then he like found like oh, where did he I'm get sure this picture i'm sure they found a
0: way to make pornographic pictures oh of pictures. course
1: okay so
0: his parents were concerned in between 1907 and 1909 they took him to doctors for convulsions sleepwalking and habitually wetting his pants and his bed Ugh. In 1912, his mother died, and he and his brother moved in with their aunt until he was expelled from school near the end of the year. Then he was sent to live with his father, and he was expelled again for unruly behavior and overexcitation. Which, like, what little kid is not overly, like, excited and wild and, you know. When he was 17, he robbed a postbox and was charged with damage to public property and mail theft. They had him go through a psychiatric evaluation, which found that he was, and I quote, an abnormal youth suffering from personal and hereditary problems. Uh. So he was diagnosed with a mental illness and charges were dropped because of his mental illness. Okay. <laughs> uh. Yeah. On March 26th, 1914, another, psych- another psychiatrist reaffirmed that he had had a mental illness and he was expelled from school, like a bunch of different schools, a bunch of different times. He kept getting expelled from school. But he finally finished in a, a special academy in Paris in 1915. He then either volunteered or was drafted, there are two different stories, into World War I in the French Army. So I guess they weren't screening for mental disorders or like delinquent behaviors. <laughs>
1: Well, at that point, I mean...
0: I mean, if he was drafted, they needed bodies. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, but
0: But if he volunteered, like, that's on them. (laughs) So, he began his service in January of 1916. He was wounded and gassed during a battle, and he started to exhibit symptoms of having a mental breakdown. Which I would, too, let's be honest.
1: Yeah! What? I was...
0: uh, Possibly
1: drafted, then wounded and gassed?
0: Yeah, just wait. It gets so much... (laughs) that worse,
1: worse.
0: <laughs> He was sent to different rest homes where he stole army blankets, morphine and other supplies. And he also stole wallets, pictures and letters from the other people, the other like soldiers who were in the rest homes.
1: Okay, but he's going to these rest homes like as a younger person, right? Or he's an old man going to No, rest no,
0: homes? he's he's young. He was sent to the rest homes during the war after he was gassed and was having like a mental breakdown so they were like oh you need to like go rest so this isn't
1: like an old people rest. no home. This no this no. is like an injured for soldiers. sick and injured yeah yeah oh okay. where they
0: like rehabilitate you and send you oh, back okay home. i
1: was picturing like an old person like a what you like a retired no. a not a retirement home but like a nursing home and then no. there's just like old people i think
0: they're like kind of yeah i think they're like for wounded soldiers okay. slash psychiatric that makes more sense during the war uh, so he was caught stealing and sent to jail in Orleans, which I'm sure it's not pronounced like that at all. Olan. 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 At some point, he went... I'm not trying to make fun of the French. I'm so rude. You just can't pronounce it. I just it. can't. I, don't, I can't even imagine how these... I can't even imagine. So at some point, he went to a psychiatric hospital and I don't know if I should even attempt this name. <laughs> Flu le F L E U R Y. Flu, flu, le, 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 A U B R A I S. Abre?
1: all I don't know. Floured, floured Aubre.
0: So there, he was diagnosed with a variety of mental illnesses, like mental dis- disequilibrium.
1: Huh. So, so old, unbalanced mentally, I'm um, guessing?
0: Or he has bad balance physically. Probably both. both. Probably both. <laughs> um, neuro... Neuroasthenia. 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 Mental depression, melancholia, obsessions and phobias. And so he was ruled... Not guilty of stealing. Ah. Uh, um, because he was sorry. mentally he ill. Has,
1: he, he's got obsessions and phobias. It wasn't him.
0: He's mentally ill. He has the mental disequilibrium, so he cannot be held responsible.
1: Okay. So he
0: has returned to war in 1918.
1: Good. So I like, mean, you're not guilty, but we're going to send though, you back to yeah, the right. front. Yeah, you're like. I mean, okay, he was stealing like drugs and stuff, but the blankets? What was he stealing all those blankets for? Because he
0: had a problem. <laughs> he was just stealing whatever. Right. Pictures, wallets, whatever. So so he's sent to the front, and then after three weeks of being in the war, again, he shot himself in the foot oh. after a nervous breakdown.
1: Uh, he was trying to get out.
0: But he was sent back to just a different regiment. Huh. And this regiment was behind the lines in September. So he wasn't like at the forefront anymore the after one, shooting himself in the foot.
1: It was the one leg regiment where it they just kept only... kept sending him back. They just, you just need to have one leg at this side. Well, he
0: was fine. He just shot himself in the foot, it was fine. <coughs> then he suffered convulsions at a railroad depot and was unconscious for the rest of the day. What the fuck? So that got him three weeks of leave. Then after three weeks, he was sent out again until he suffered from erratic behavior and headaches, which, like, yeah, no shit. Man, they
1: must have really needed people.
0: I know. So after that, after the erratic behavior and headaches, he went to see a psychiatrist where he was diagnosed with amnesia, sleepwalking, depression, and suicidal tendencies. And then he was finally discharged. With forty percent of a disability pension, and two months later his case was reviewed, and he got a hundred percent of his pension and a suggestion that he be committed to an asylum.
1: And how old is he at this? They're point? like
0: you need help. Uh, let's see, I think it was around nineteen twenty, and he was born in eighteen ninety seven. So he's probably early twenties. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> I thought this was clever. Someone else wrote this. After the war, he did make it to a mental institution, but not as a patient.
1: Oh, no. He went to
0: medical school. I guess they had, like, an accelerated program for veterans for when they returned, and he, he like, signed up to become a doctor. So, he completed his program in eight Months. Wow. Eight months. That's like the fastest fast track.
1: How do we get on that fast track? And
0: he got his medical degree in December of nineteen twenty one. Holy shit. After he did a two year internship at a mental hospital. Well so he was the intern as a doctor at the mental hospital.
1: I'm sure he that fit he should right have been in. committed to. <laughs> Probably got along real well with the patients and stuff.
0: Okay, now this one's really difficult. He moved to a town called
1: You know, I thought that you were gonna say this is really difficult because something was like like really like traumatic. Like this is this is hard to say. I mean. But it's literally hard to it's say. It's literally
0: hard to say. <laughs> My mouth doesn't move like this. Okay. Villeneuve seventeen.
1: Villeneuve sevillon.
0: Yeah. Where he became a doctor. So he was twenty five when he moved to this town and when he was a doctor. And he made flyers that said, and I quote, Dr. Pityu is young, and only young doctors can keep up to date on the latest methods born of a progress which marches with great strides. This is why intelligent patients have confidence in him. Dr. Pityu teaches, oh, treats, but does not exploit his patients. uh which, if you're putting that you're not going to exploit your patients...
1: I feel like you're going to exploit, exploit your patients. <laughs> yeah, the fact that you felt like, like,
0: like that putting that said, in. Like doctors everywhere are exploiting their patients. That's what I was Like, wondering. what's on your mind?
1: How often are they mm. like, what?
0: Um. So he was outwardly very charming, and lots of his patients actually did like him.
1: Oh, he's a go-getter. He's making his own flyers.
0: That's right. And And he will not exploit you. Will not. He won't exploit you. Uh but <laughs> so the patients would come and see him and they would pay and then he would also secretly enroll them for state medical assistance so he'd get paid twice for each visit.
1: Okay, so making he's, money. Uh, he um hmm.
0: so he also gained a reputation for dubious medical practices like prescribing narcotics, which he tended to favor for his patients. And for himself. Wink. Uh-huh. So I guess he'd, like, put them on, you know, narcotic prescriptions
1: pretty well, liberally. Would, I would assume if he's, like, prescribing it... Then he's he like, this can, stuff
0: is great. I take it all the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then he can, like, probably... He probably can like order like a bunch of it or whatever and then just have a bunch of it and then he's like i'm not you know it's not for me like right. i'm giving it to my patients well, obviously so that like, you know, can just have a constant supply one for you
0: two for me Ooh, yeah one for you two more for me
1: especially if he's charging twice he can like afford to buy a lot and then charge for it yeah and his, he's cutting his for their free. and
0: mm-hmm. put a little side on his so one, one time a pharmacist got upset because he prescribed too much of something that almost killed a child, and he oh. responds, and I quote, What difference does it make to you anyway? Isn't it better to do away with this kid who does nothing, or who do, who's not doing anything in the world but pestering its mother? Oh. Mm. Yeah. So he's he has a, a point. Little, he has a, a point runner. there. I and
1: mean, really, when you think about it, do you really want to give the kid medicine, or?
2: Do you want to snuff so it, it, it out? Yeah. <laughs> You know,
1: less of a bother. Think of the poor mother.
0: So he's not exploiting his patients at all.
1: No, no, he's looking after them. He's like, look, I know you'd be happier and better off without your child.
0: Awful. Okay. He was also performing illegal abortions, or like abortions, but I think they were illegal at the time. And probably he wasn't doing the best job. Um, I no. He only went to school for eight months. I was so I was say, <laughs> how, well how extensive
1: his training was. And wise. I doubt they
0: trained him on how to give abortions. No. So I think he's probably just extrapolating. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, he was still guilty of petty theft, because why would you give up that bad habit?
1: can't help it he's got to steal more blankets
0: he was stealing so much that when he would go to visit his brother his brother would check his pockets before he left
1: (laughs) so he was known by his family to do that
0: yeah by everyone um and then he would get in trouble for stealing but say that because he was a certified lunatic and not (laughs) in quotes i'm not saying lunatic he would never be convicted, which based he, on his track record, right. he's not.
1: <laughs> he got yeah, he already learned that lesson like I can do all this illness, shit,
0: so he isn't responsible. Yeah. In 1926, he had an affair with a woman named Louise De la Vue, Vin- Louis. De la Vue.
1: Louise de la Vue.
0: Her, her mother was like an elderly woman and was a patient of the good doctor. Oh, is that And how they met? soon after the affair began, the woman's house was burglarized and then set on fire. And in May, Louise disappeared. Oh. Neighbors said that they saw Petit load a trunk into his car, and a car matching his was fished out of the river weeks later. Inside were the dismembered and decomposing remains of a young woman who has never been identified.
1: What? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. First of all.
0: Yeah. Go for it. What was
1: the plan, buddy? You're going to put the body in a trunk and then drive your car that's registered to you... Okay,
0: but it worked!
1: Into a... Yeah, until they found it. Well,
0: I doubt they had, like, registration...
1: There were well, like, three cars in town. But
0: they never identified her body. So the police investigated it, but concluded that Louise was a runaway.
1: That had chopped herself up and put herself they in... They never
0: identified the body. They are like, oh, that's strange that she disappeared, and you saw him put a trunk into his car, and we saw the same car into the river, but we can't identify the woman, so she's a runaway. And also, we're not going to solve the case of the Jane Doe that we fished out of the river.
1: So I don't know, it's like
0: nineteen twenty. <laughs> okay,
1: back. so they didn't know it was his car.
0: Well, the neighbor just said they did. Well, the car matching his, like a car matching the car his car's description and like how many cars are on the road, you know, back in the
1: twenties. So they're like, Excuse me, Monsieur did you, Monsieur Petit, we found your car. Isn't it Viva? The is the, and then he's it's like the that is not my car in the river uh, I don't know. I don't know. And they were like, oh, sorry, Monsieur Petit." That's kind of like shoddy police work.
0: <laughs> that one seemed like open and shut, but I don't know. We seem to have found a
1: body in your car.
0: That same, oh, this is good too. That same year, Petit
1: ran for mayor. Well, yeah, I would. I mean, with that, you can do anything. He's got a mental well, illness. He, he can do it all. You can just do anything can. and get away with everything. He's not held and
0: accountable ever. You,
1: why not okay. run for mayor?
0: So he runs. He runs for mayor. He hires some guy to disrupt a political debate with his opponent. What the guy did was he cut power to the auditorium after Pitsuot was finished speaking, and it blacked out the whole village and started several fires. <laughs> and he won by a landslide. What? <laughs> they loved him. They loved him. While he was in office, he embezzled town funds, stole a bass drum from a local band, and a large stone cross that he had called an eyesore. Some people called him the best mayor ever.
1: I'm confused.
0: I what know-
1: <laughs> platform was he even running on?
0: Who the fuck knows? But he did a great what job. What did he from-
1: promise them? I don't know. Oh.
0: That I get rid of that damn cross.
1: I mean <laughs> I hate to see what the mayors before him were like if yeah. he was like excitedly brought on. Yeah.
0: So the next year in June nineteen this whole this whole thing is like fucking nuts. Like what is happening in this small town in France. So the next year in June nineteen twenty seven, he married Georgette Leblay... Gio, say it, Georgette Georgette.
1: Georgien Georgien Labelle
0: she was 23 and the daughter of a wealthy landowner and butcher and in 1928 they had a son named
1: Gerhard Gerhard, oh, Gerhard. isn't that German it
0: does look kind of German right <laughs> <laughs> maybe she was like French like German? no I don't think she was German no I think it's French Gerhard G-H-G-Hard? I don't <laughs> know I don't know. Origins of names are not my special name. No. Uh, was eventually suspended from being the mayor because of a shady financial deal where he tried to get a refund for some oil that he bought, but he, like, refused. He bought it and was like, I don't need the receipt. I don't want the receipt. They're like, take the receipt. He's like, I won't take the receipt. Ugh. And then... And then he, like, tries to return it. Or he's like, oh, I never got the oil. And they're like, what? And he's like, yeah, I never got the oil. Like, I don't have a receipt. I never got the oil. And he was like, try- I don't know. He was trying to get the money back for the okay. oil that he had yeah. bought and picked yeah. up. Yeah. Um, so he was, he was like, Convicted for this, like, shady business deal of, like, trying to run one over on something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the conviction was reversed on appeal. So he was, like, suspended, but then they're like, just kidding. You appealed that it's fine. And then one night in March of 1930, so this is, like, a couple years... I don't know when he was suspended, but... In 1930, the home of Armand and Henriette. Oh, I have a Henriette too. Um, Henrietta? Henriette. Oh, you said Harriet. Harriet. I have Henrietta. <laughs> I have Henriette. Um, De Beau, well, their house was on fire. Henriette was found inside beaten to death with a blunt instrument. What's
2: the,
0: the house had been burglarized, and there was a rumor that Henriette was the mistress of Pitta. He was even seen near the house that night, but the witness went to see Dr. Petit for rheumatism before he could testify, and guess what? While he was there, the good doctor gave him an injection, and he mysteriously died three hours later. (laughs) So Dr. Petit signed the death certificate and said that he had died of an aneurysm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, can you believe
0: this? It's like not even real, but it is. It's so fucked. So, in August of 1931, he was suspended as mayor again for mishandling money and just being all around like a shady dude. And then he resigned from office the next day. He was like over it. And he still had supporters throughout all this. And his secretary took the fall for for the reason that he was suspended initially. He's like, no, no, it was my fault. It was like some mismanagement. I did it. It's like fine. But he resigned anyway. Um, and the village council resigned alongside of him in solidarity. He was, like, charming as fuck or something. Wow. I don't know. So five weeks after he resigned, he was elected as the youngest of 34 general counselors from his district. So another government job. That he was elected <sighs> into. Oh, my God. In 1932, he lost his seat because he was accused of stealing electricity from the village. <laughs> what? But by this point, he'd already moved to Paris, so he was like, peace, bitches, it's fine, I don't care.
1: I'm just imagining what's stealing the electricity from the city.
0: Well, you know, like, back in the day, electricity was, I don't know, easier to steal. <laughs>
1: right, oh yeah, back in the day, when that, like, you just tap right to, like, into box. the, you just tap into the street Store line. Store
0: it up, build a battery, stash it, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So he moved to Paris, and in Paris he was a doctor again, and he had both real and fake credentials. One ad said that he had been an intern at a mental hospital where he had actually been the patient. (laughs) But he built an impressive reputation, and in 1944, police interviewed 2,000 patients and not a single one complained.
1: He doesn't abuse the pain, or what was it? He doesn't exploit, he doesn't he exploit, exploit them. The po- yeah.
0: But there were rumors of illegal abortions and lots of prescriptions and ad- addictive remedies. So he is kind of like a pill mill. Why would they complain, you know?
2: That's yeah. They're
0: getting the good stuff. Yeah. They're like, "No, he's a great doctor. Fabulous. I got all my morphine from him. It's excellent."
1: It is would course. recommend and have to ten, all my friends ten. I got a punch card actually the more I recommend <laughs> the, the more heroin I get yeah so in
0: 1934 a 30 year old woman saw him because she had an abscess in her mouth Ew. after the surgery she was still unconscious so he drove her home and she never regained consciousness and died several hours later he
1: drove her home
0: yeah because she was unconscious Her mother demanded an autopsy, and they found huge amounts of morphine in her system, but he was never tried for her murder or for, like, faulty medical practice or whatever, even though he, like, constantly overprescribed and, like, almost killed a child and now killed this woman.
1: I wonder if... Do you think, like, that he... She died, like... On the operating table or whatever so she was just then...
0: unconscious i think he dropped her off at home and she was still unconscious and her mom probably like saw her breathing or something and then she just died at home Ugh. i know in 1936 he was appointed medicine Dete- Civil, which excuse meant excuse me <laughs> he could write death certificates he basically was appointed to become the death certificate writer
1: he's the coroner now
0: Oh, yeah, maybe as like, the coroner. (laughs) (laughs) He is appointed to be the coroner. He's, like, the death
1: certificate filler-outer guy. It's real important.
0: Yeah, so (laughs) so he was sent to pronounce the death of some lawyer. Some lawyer had died in his home, and he was, like, a wealthy lawyer, like, very well-known. He went to go sign the death certificate, and while he was there, he stole (sighs) 74,000 francs. He was also caught shoplifting once and assaulted the police officer who had stopped him and then ran away.
1: Well, he can't help it.
0: He's mentally ill.
1: Yeah, but yeah.
0: That's right. When he was being charged for the crime, you got it on the note, (laughs) he said that he could not be held legally responsible because of his mental illness, so they dropped the charges. Oh my God, I'm going to try that. (laughs) Then his wife had him institutionalized for kleptomania, but he was released later that year even though he was, quote, chronically unbalanced he seemed to get a little better other than his persistent tax evasion
1: uh, uh, uh
0: but i guess he wasn't blatantly stealing from people just the government at that point so it was fine well, he has
1: gotta do you know, um, channel his uh, kleptomania it's kleptomania somewhere
0: amongst his other diagnoses which there's quite the list
1: Empty your pockets.
0: (laughs) Can you imagine if I checked your pockets before you left my house every time you came to visit?
1: Nope, nope. Your other one. Come
0: on, pocket check. You know the drill. Don't make
1: me fight you.
0: (laughs) Let's do this. Make it easy. It's going to be hard. Take
1: your hat off. Let me see. In
0: 1940, Germany entered France in World War II, and the French citizens were being drafted and forced into labor camps in Germany. Oh. Pitié? made false medical disability certificates for people who were drafted so they didn't have to go, and he also treated the illnesses of the workers who returned to France. So I he mean, was doing, like, something things nice. <laughs> there. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> he just loved France so much. He was oh. a patriot. In 1941, he bought a house at 21 Rue de Seu Paris. Does that sound familiar to you?
1: Rue de Seu Sound familiar? The one we are talking about earlier. Yeah, the one we were talking about earlier. Yeah, the oh, we the smoky hat. The connection.
0: In July of 1941, Nellie De- Denise Houghton was a pregnant newlywed, and she saw Dr. Pity for an abortion, and she was never seen again. Whoops. Yeah. This is why abortion should be legal.
1: Yeah.
0: So you don't go to sketchy doctor's. In July 1942, he was charged with over-prescribing narcotics. Two addicts were supposed to testify against him, but disappeared before they had the chance.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm sure he gave them adequate supply. He
0: yeah. was still convicted, but he only had to pay 2,400 francs.
1: Because <laughs> it wasn't his fault.
0: No, he didn't know. No. And since they couldn't prove it, kind of, ah. but they did. Ah.
2: It's the he, times.
0: So he later claimed that during the German occupation, he was a part of the the resistance.
1: La resistance.
0: He said that he developed secret weapons that could kill Germans without leaving forensic evidence. No. And he planted booby traps all yeah. over Paris oh. and had meetings with high-level commanders. He worked for a group of Spanish anti-fascists who who actually never really existed.
1: (laughs) It sounds like none of this really (laughs) (laughs) happened.
0: There is some question as to, like, what he really did during the war. Mm -hmm. Because he did do, like, the fake documents, and he may have had contact. Like, they uncovered, like, papers later where his name was mentioned, so he may have, like, been worked... It's, like, all very questionable Mm -hmm. whether or not he actually did do any of that. Chances are probably not, but... okay. What he was what he was also doing during the occupation was making money yeah his code name was Dr Eugene
1: oh i thought you were going to say Dr
0: Cash cuz <laughs> you're
1: like making money his code name was Eugene Eugene yeah. Dr Eugene what a lame name
0: and he was telling people that he could get them out of germany safely and get them to argentina or somewhere else in south america so, like, the people, like, the Jewish people who needed to leave, um, people who were, like, against the, the Germans who needed out. Like, he's like, I can Any you. Any minority
1: that needed to get out. He's
0: like, I got you, um, I got you. You're scared, you need help, I'll help you.
1: More importantly. Yeah. Do you think Eugene is pronounced differently in French? Yeah, 100%. Eugene. Yeah. Eugene.
0: Say it like you got something in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a that good. That's not that good. <laughs> And I will never say it again
2: throughout the rest of this. So,
0: he's like, I can get you out. All I need is 25,000 francs per person. And so then he had, like, a network of people who were like, I got a guy who can help you get out. Just come see him and bring 25,000 francs.
1: Um, Okay, so he's, like, doing some... So Kinda then good.
0: they'd come in and he'd be like, okay, so the Argentine government's not going to take you Uh-oh. unless I inoculate you. Uh-oh. Inoculate. Inoculate. Is that right?
1: Inoculate. Yeah, that is
0: right. That doesn't sound right at all. <laughs> <laughs> because they, they don't want diseases like from here to get over there. Right. So I'm just going to give you like a shot and it's oh, going to be fine. No. Um, then he would inject them with cyanide.
1: <gasps> take not a shot. Take all their
0: valuables and dispose of their bodies. So these people who are coming to him because they're trying Did to like he escape
1: death even have connections. No, fuck no. Oh,
0: this was his way my of making God. money off of these poor terabyte.
1: So they give him all this money, yeah. and then
0: and, and they, they bring, bring their, their stuff. stuff. Yeah, <gasps> yeah. So at first he was dropping their bodies in the sin. This how do you think you say the son? sin? Sin, sin. I don't know why I did this to myself. This is awful. It's so embarrassing. Okay. But he later decided it was better to destroy the bodies in quicklime or by incinerating them.
1: So, some of his earliest customers
0: were three Parisian pimps. I'm going to say three
1: Parisian pimps. pimps. And their
0: girlfriends. Uh, That happened in September of 1942 and March in 1943. Their names were something like... I can't say them. Oh, my
2: God.
0: Um, Joseph Rucu. Adrian Estebeteg.
1: Why are their first names said, like, English?
0: Well, because I can't say them. And Francois.
1: Thank you.
0: Albertini. <laughs> and Annette Bassett and Claudia Charmoux.
2: Oh,
0: God. Anyway, I'm I wonder so if
1: f- any of the names sound remotely. I like I know so I feel
0: pleasant. so bad like butchering their names. <laughs> oh, I'm not intended. That's awful. No, take it back. We're no, nurse. I feel real so bad. They are victims of a really horrible, Shit. horrible man. Shit.
1: Take back our laughter.
0: We take it back, and I'm sorry about the names. It's right? horrible. I try. I felt like they they needed to be named at the same time. I cannot pronounce their names. Yes. yes. It was a very difficult, difficult situation. God. <laughs> For them, not for me. Yeah. I gotta stop. I'm stopping. Okay. In June of 1942, Dr. Paul Leon Brownberger.
1: Oh, that's an easier an one. An elderly Jewish man. <laughs> there you go.
0: He sought help from Petit to flee with his wife. And oh, no. he disappeared from a subway station. He was, like, alone in a subway station and disappeared. Well, it's just like, I oh, know. Yeah. A uh, month later, the, the Nellers... Three German Jewish people went to see Petit and vanished then three more refugees the Wolf family along with six of their friends disappeared
1: my god
0: yeah so it's so sad because people were like oh I know this guy he can get you help and they're probably telling their friends like we get out of here like this is yeah no just like taking advantage of these poor people who are already being slaughtered and their families are disappearing yeah it's really awful so, in 1943, the Gestapo arrested some of his helpers because, not because they thought they were killing people, but because they thought they were helping them escape to Argentina. Oh, and they wanted to put a stop to that. Shit. The Gestapo.
1: Well, Gestapo you from yeah, moving right. away.
0: So, they got his, like, three of his helpers. One of them was, like, his childhood friend that they'd, like, known each other forever. And he just, like, got him roped into this, like, awful thing. But, um he so they they were like tortured until they gave up the name Dr. Eugene and they found out who it was so then they arrested him and held him for 8 months which later would add to his credibility as a resistance fighter because they're like oh you were held by the gestapo
1: uh-huh. you must have They done, didn't know
0: what it was for yeah, you must yeah. have
1: done something yeah. that was like yeah whoa.
0: so so now we're back at the beginning of the story with okay. the house after the firemen came out puking Three officers went downstairs. They found a huge fire and a coal stove in the basement. There was a human arm dangling from the open stove door and a smattering of human remains mixed with coal in a pile. Uh. Petit showed up on his bike. And said, It's all cool, man. The bodies are just Germans and traitors to France. Like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, it's cool.
1: Those aren't the bodies you're looking for.
0: I'm the leader of a resistance group. You don't know about it. It's like super secret, but. Just um, just
1: sniped some. But they're just people. Yeah, they're just bad
0: people. And so the police were like, Chill, you can go.
1: No. Yeah.
0: They're like, cool, man. No, we got it. We hate those Germans, too. high five. Keep up the good work. Kill the Nazis. It's fine. Wow. Yeah. So they did keep searching the property, though, and they found a pit in the back, in the stable, filled with quicklime and body parts, and a heap in the backyard of the same. A pit and a heap? Yep. In the stable and the backyard.
1: My God. He, so... There's more. There's just... There's more.
0: (sighs) On the staircase leading from the courtyard to the basement, there was a canvas bag that contained the headless left half of a corpse that was missing its foot and vital organs. Like, what the hell is he doing? Just
1: a bag thrown on the ground? just a bag
0: on the stairs. Bodies everywhere. Oh, my God. They also noticed that the sinks in the basement were large enough to drain corpses of their blood... And there was a soundproof octagonal chamber with a wall mounted with wall mounted shackles and a peephole in
1: the door. What I don't know what that the was about. Fuck! Wait. There were. How, I I don't know if you can answer this, but how close were their neighbors? Were the neighbors because you well, st- they had like
0: a stable. Yeah, like, like so, so it sounds so, like they so had, had land because
1: like if you. And you they just see like just smokes. They're sheeps, like, oh, like piles, and like yeah. a, you just like see body parts. Like if well, they just walk I'm wondering up if these are see... like
0: gated in estates or something, you know? It's got to yeah. be like the French country. I mean, I think it was like a pretty small town. So they probably had like, it was probably like kind of rural, I'd imagine. It had to have been because yeah.
1: if you're describing it like it is, like. Well,
0: can you imagine the smell?
1: And the cops just walk in the back and just can like see body parts yeah, sticking just out of the smell. everywhere, stuff.
0: yeah. Oh, I know.
1: Yeah, I think as a neighbor, if you could. If the smoke was more of a concern than seeing body parts, I'm assuming you can't see the body parts.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. So, in the house and outside, there were enough body parts for at least 10 people. Wow. This is what they found. Oh, God. In addition to the identifiable bodies. Oh, God. 33 pounds of charred bones. 24 pounds of unburned fragments. 11 pounds of human hair. What? Including 10 whole scalps and 3 garbage cans full of pieces too small to identify.
1: Oh my god.
0: They also found suitcases, clothing and other random things that belonged to the victims. Probably their prized possessions that they were going to take with them to Argentina. That's
1: the not (sighs) not say like that's the most tragic part but it's not the most tragic part. Yeah obviously but just that like they brought all their like they were expecting to to like they were being hopeful. Yeah they're gonna have a new
0: start they weren't gonna be like hunted down murdered yeah they were and they walked right into the murder. Yeah this piece of shit. So here were his victims that have been identified. One of his victims was Jean Marc then Beaver, Beaver, <laughs>
1: jean <laughs> be- Okay,
2: Beaver.
1: Be- he
0: was he was a man who was supposed to testify against Pitois. Pitois. I forgot how to say his <sighs> name now. At the trial earlier, say Marcellus. earlier, Marcellus? I think he was one of them who was addicted to drugs, um, and he got his supply from Pitois, who. Uh, hold on. Okay, so he yeah he was getting his drugs. From Pete. And then he was arrested in nineteen forty two because Paris was like, No more pharmaceutical trading of mm. narcotics, we're cracking down on these pill mills, like huh. we're getting down to it. So he was like, Oh, that my supplier is Dr. Pet and right. uh, and then he vanished. So he was one of them. Another victim was Martha mm. Martha Mar, Kate. Her son was an addict who was buying drugs from Pittit Her daughter had... Oh. Okay, so some said it was a son, some said was a daughter. I'm guessing... It was either her son or her daughter. Mm-hmm. Her child okay. was an addict and was buying drugs from Dr. Pittit I might have to listen to the name again.
2: <laughs>
0: her... The daughter was arrested and he was going to be in trouble because she was like, that's where I'm getting my drugs. And so Petit suggested that the mom say, oh, actually, those are some of my drugs. He wasn't overprescribing her. Some of those, some of mine got mixed in. So actually, it's like, you know, so that way the case would be weakened. Uh-huh. Um, and she was like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. But then she went to talk to a different doctor, like her doctor. And the doctor was probably like, yeah, that's not a good idea. Like, you're going to get in trouble. And so then she's like, okay, no, I, I'm not going to do that anymore. And oh, then she disappeared. Oh, no. Fuck. Yeah. Another man named Joachim, Joachim Gushche, Gushanov. uh he was going to leave for South America through Pitus Escape Group, mm-hmm. in quotes. He was a Jewish furrier who disappeared in January of 1942 with 500,000 francs in cash, five sable coats, plus gold, silver, and diamonds. Boy,
2: no
0: what he's going to start his new life with. Yeah. In South America. They guessed based on this is awful. This is I took this quote. "Substantial pieces that the oldest victim was a 50-year-old man and the youngest was a 25-year-old woman." Mm. Isn't that awful? Based on like whatever they could find that was like big enough to identify. Oh. There were no knife or gunshot wounds that they could identify, and they didn't say... They said that they hadn't been poisoned with any toxic metal. Is cyanide a metal? I don't think so. Also, if he's, like, chopping them up, you'd think there'd be, like, knife wounds on the bone. Maybe they
1: meant, like, post... um,
0: Pre-mortem? Pre-mortem.
2: I mean, mortem?
1: Mortem. Well, no, like, yeah, when you're, like... At the time of death, right. like as you can tell, you know maybe they can tell like oh these were co- caused post mortem, so yeah. it, did, it wasn't the cause of death. Yeah. So there were no
2: right,
1: like marks that would show right. that there was and it like, wasn't
0: like lead poisoning. But so so Pitit lived in a different apartment, like on a different part of town, um, and they searched his home, where they found chlor- he lived in an
1: apartment, but the house yeah. But he, had a, but he owned this like this amazing
0: house. house that he just destroyed. Yeah, weird. I
1: wondered if he like used maybe he the like, house as like the doc as like his office.
0: No, I bet he like lived in town and that house maybe was like outside oh, of maybe. town. So he probably like lived close to his office and like lived and worked in town and then did his dirty deeds out in the country where people couldn't um so they found chloroform, digitalis, strychnine, and other poisons, plus 50 times the typical physician stock, which I don't know how much that is, of heroin and morphine. Oh, my God. So I don't know how much doctors are supposed to have, but he had 50 times that. For the next seven months, Petit was on the run, because they're like, okay, no, it's fine, you can go, and they explored more, and they're like, "Uh." I don't think these are all a bunch of, like, Nazis, so... Come back. Uh, his wife and son were questioned, and so was his brother. His brother was charged with conspiracy because his brother was the one delivering quicklime to his house.
1: I wonder what he was saying he was needing it for.
0: Maybe he was like, I'm part of the resistance. Oh. I don't know. Okay. I'm, like, slyly murdering people, and his brother's like, shell. I got you.
1: It's okay. All Nazis. I mean,
0: what is quicklime for other than dissolving bodies? It's gotta have some kind of use, right?
1: Yeah, because why would you be able to buy it? I don't
0: know. I don't know what it's for. <laughs> Maybe he's like, I need it for that other the thing. thing. The thing other than the body thing. Yeah. Quick. We need quicklime. To dissolve something? I don't know. Yeah. It's just like super corrosive? I don't know. So, he... While he was on the run, he stayed with friends, and he was like, I'm hiding from the Gestapo, because I, like, killed all these Germans and informers, and they're after me. And they're like, oh, well, you were jailed by the Gestapo, so you're probably right, we'll hide Uh you, it's fine. Oh, good. And eventually he moved in with one of his patients, and there he lived under different aliases and grew a beard.
1: Ooh, the disguise.
0: Yeah, dudes have it so good. You guys can like disguise <laughs> yourself so easily. Instantly. Instant. Well not really. However it takes. It's like while. how good can you grow a beard and how fast does it grow? And mm-hmm. so during the liberation of Paris in nineteen forty four, yay, go Paris. <laughs> he was going by the name Henri Valerie.
1: Valerie? Henri Valerie. Henri
0: Valerie. And he joined the French forces of the interior, which is where he became captain. And he was in charge of counter espionage and prisoner interrogations.
1: Wow, so this guy what just gets, fuck! Like, awesome just promoted and like, just what, like if I? because he can't
0: help it. No, he can't. But like, think of how charming this guy must be to get away with this Insanely charming, I know. So, <laughs> but he's up to his old antics. Mm-mm. There, he's still robbing people. And he gets some of his officers to also rob people. So thieves would go missing along with the things that they had stolen. Huh. And some kids tried to report a crime. They're like, hey officer, like, there's this crime. And they were put into jail themselves. Oh. He's like, I hate kids, you're going to jail. Don't talk to me. Wow. So then the newspaper Renaissance published an article about Petit And Petit's old defense attorney received a letter saying that the accusations were false, that he never, like, murdered Jewish people and, like, people Mm. trying to escape. Except
1: that there's piles of bodies in your yard, So
0: whether or not this letter was actually from him, it reinvigorated the search for him, Uh uh, because they knew he was still in Paris. One of the people who were enlisted to find Petit, was Henri Valerie? Oh,
1: Henri yeah, Valerie. Oh, he was uh, enlisted to find himself.
0: Yeah, he was. Yes, he was. This is why I chose this story because on Reddit there was like a today I learned that some like mass murderer was hired to like find himself. Oh my god! And I was like, oh, what isn't fuck? that like existential?
1: Oh my god! Yes. Hire me to
0: find myself, please. I'll take that job. That
1: is a trip.
0: So finally, on October 31st, he was recognized at a metro station in Paris and was arrested. What he had on him was a pistol, 31,700 francs, and 50 sets of identifying documents in six different names.
1: Holy shit.
0: After his arrest, he maintained his innocence. He said that he had only killed enemies of France and that the bodies had been... had... Oh. <laughs> okay. So he only ever killed enemies of France. And those bodies were in that house when he moved in.
1: Uh, that's why he didn't live there. He stayed in the city house. He just assumed that, house that they had...
0: were, like, enemies that had been killed by the resistance. So it's like, fine. Someone I'll just, just leave them here.
1: Leave, just put I'm them not going to mess with
0: these bodies.
1: <laughs> that's a pretty good defense. That's a, <laughs> that's a good defense. The- Dude. Those, I, those bodies, bodies were, were there. there. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't about. know.
0: I just left them because
1: I bought like, this house. They came. I the own house. the house,
0: but like the bodies, you know. Like, what am I gonna do? It's like decoration.
1: Shit. I don't know, dude. He's crazy. <laughs>
0: well, he's talked himself out well, of
1: everything else so far. I, know. I
0: don't want to use the word crazy. That's not a good use of that word. But so, um, police. <laughs> the police found that he actually didn't have any friends in the resistance. Oh. And he wasn't part of the resistance. Mm. And some of the groups that he had mentioned that were of the resistance didn't even exist. So he's like, I got this friend and this guy. And they're part of this group and this group and this group. And they're like, no. Um, so he was charged. <laughs> they're not playing improv right. No, they're not yes and <laughs> him at all that. this time. <laughs> he was charged with at least 27 murders for profit. They estimated that he had made 200 million francs. And he may have killed upwards of 60 people in his lifetime.
1: And he was... Oh God. He went
0: on trial on March 19th, 1946, and faced 135 criminal charges. He taunted the families of the victims and the prosecutor, saying that the victims were double agents or living in South America under new names. So, I guess I don't know how like French courts work, but the different families of the victims paid to have more prosecutors. So, there were like a bunch of prosecutors fighting against this guy. Oh. And he was just like, No, whatever. Like, your family members sucked and they were like <sighs> evil people. Oh my or God. he was like, Oh, no, I did help them escape. And now they like must not love you because they're in South America and didn't let you know they were okay. Like, he's the worst. They're all the worst. This dude sucks. He only admitted to killing 19 of the 27 victims that he was on trial for. Which, like... Okay, only 19? Um, like, at gosh, that point, shit. he might
1: as well just claim them all. Right?
0: And he claimed they were Germans or German collaborators. His defense tried to say that he was a hero for the resistance. Wow. But the judge and jury weren't buying it. He was convicted of 26 counts of murder.
1: He was a fucking so Nazi. Know.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, he targeted and all the the vulnerable people that were going to be targeted anyway. Yeah, He's a fucking Nazi. Yeah,
0: he's just like a major predator. Wow. Um, so he's convicted and sentenced to death, and Damn. his death sentence was only delayed because the guillotine was malfunctioning.
1: Wasn't sharp the chopping,
0: enough? <laughs> the chopping mechanism was malfunctioning. So on May 25th, he was beheaded.
1: Oh, good. And
0: that's the end of this sick buck.
1: Dope. That's crazy heading. I didn't okay, nice.
0: Right? Crazy.
1: What the fuck?
0: Yeah. This dude had quite the life. Fucking being elected as mayor and then getting kicked out twice for being mayor.
1: That guy murdering
0: like all these poor vulnerable people.
1: And then was like top like uh uh French, oh, like a commander govern- yeah, or whatever, like, and like top, like military or whatever, and like spy or. Uh,
0: oh well, I don't think he was top military. Or. He was definitely sent back to the front way too many times. Yeah. Uh, but yeah.
1: That's crazy.
0: Yeah. <sighs> yeah.
1: The tossed salad and the scrambled egg.
0: A tossed salad, a scrambled egg. Toss salad though, even though he says he's a scrambled egg, I don't buy it. Dude knew what he was doing. Yeah, definitely a
1: toss salad calling itself scrambled egg.
0: He had, I mean, it sounded like he had like kleptomania for sure because he could not stop stealing.
1: Yeah, he had like some mental illnesses, but yeah,
2: but he clearly knew like
1: taking advantage of and to like he was if this was all financial motivation, yeah, yeah, it was. So he didn't even care. He That's why it was like the range of his victims were so vast and like they are all different from different walks of life. And It didn't matter. It was just that they were going to pay him this money. Yeah. And then he was going to get their jewels and fur coats. Yeah, all their things. Fucked up. Yeah. And then, and then he just keeps his um, rural house as the um, crematorium.
0: Mansion. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, because probably you'd be like, how easy it would be just, like, meet me out here because yeah. it's got to be secret because we're doing a secret meeting. Yep. Have this house in the country. Just meet me at my house and we'll, like...
0: Under the cover of darkness. Yeah. We'll go. I'll get you out of here. And
1: then you get poisoned. Yeah. And then your body is just there.
0: Yeah. Fuck that yeah. guy. Horrible. <laughs> yeah. No, I just, like, I kept reading and it was getting worse and worse and I was just, like, <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Like, at first it was all fun and games. Like, whatever. You're like, what? He
1: had to find himself? That's fine. (laughs)
0: like, oh, that's silly. I wonder how that happened. And then I was
1: like, oh, God.
0: (laughs) This guy sucks. And everyone, like, supported him. I was like, what the fuck? But, like, no, he's a great mayor. We love him.
1: (gasps) Wow. Uh, I just, like, what, I wonder what he, like, how he ran like what he got people excited about Well, they said
0: he was very charming yeah and then like after he made his speech the other opponent didn't get to make his so they were just like well I good, so,
2: yeah good come enough. On
0: just, yeah like good a, enough. and then he's like embezzling so much money but they're like no we love him but he's like, like a, the best mayor ever yeah.
1: remember when he gave that speech best <laughs> mayor
0: ever
1: love him
0: yeah what was happening in that town I think part of it, too, I, I think I read that it was, like, kind of, like, an older town. Like, the people there were, like, kind of older. He was, like, this bright young doctor. Maybe they were, like, oh, he's, like, going to help us. And his patients loved him because he had them all doped up on, like, morphine yeah. all the time. He's charming. Like, he's, he's a great. doctor.
1: They probably don't know much about his past.
0: For sure they don't know. If <laughs> anything, it's, like, oh, well, he was a soldier. Yeah. Yeah.
1: His soldier, and he
0: got his whole pension. Like he must have been a good soldier. Even though they're like, yeah, here, here's the pension. Go to an asylum. You need help.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they wouldn't know. <laughs> You'll
0: never get a regular job.
1: <laughs> Plus, with the wars going on and everything, it's like everything is unstable anyway. So they probably so I feel like it's hard this to guy got and,
0: elected. And, yeah. I think I'm gonna run for mayor. I think,
1: I think you have, I have a more winning chance going
0: for me than he did.
1: We just have to uh, filter some city electricity
0: i got to get the electricity
1: got to tap the that's electricity right, that's right. so that we can funnel silence it, my opponents silence the opponents start
0: a few fires accidentally
1: and you know yeah. i love the excuse of the bodies were there
0: they were already there
1: they were there and i bought the house i just foolproof. i just dust around them they I, were there i figured i don't, don't want to touch it yeah I don't know. What if someone's going to come back yeah now? i thought that someone's going to come back and clean yeah. get yeah. the rest of their mess <laughs> uh
0: also, the excuse of well, I have a mental illness, so oh, I cannot be held Oopsie, accountable. see me they again. They never should have told him. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, wild ride, huh? Fuck. Isn't that so weird? Like we both did two like serial killer. Like, how does that happen? Also, I had like a few nightmares, so I think I'm gonna stop. <laughs>
1: Go to something a little lighter.
0: I was like, shit, why am I having nightmares? You know, you Mm. can do whatever
1: crime you want. It doesn't have to involve murder. No, that's so
0: true. I know. I don't have to box myself in.
1: Don't box it with murder.
0: Keep it open this podcast has been brought to you by humble, humble herbal. herbal just uh, check out their website they've got all natural bath and beauty products it doesn't just stop at soap they've got lotion sticks and oh the deodorant! It's getting hot these summer months and if you don't want your body to start stinking
1: you getting stinky if you it's don't want to smell like burning corpses no, down the no, road no <laughs> Buy some deodorant. It come in comes in lavender, lavender, uh,
0: jasmine, w- lemongrass, tea tree, and cedarwood, cedar pine, pine. In case you like that tree smell, and uh, it's all natural.
1: That's Humble Bee Herbal at
0: o oh, h u m b l e b e e h e r b a l dot com.
2: Now for the portion that we like to call Cramity Sakes, where we tell you silly stories about crime that make you forget the terrible things we just told you.
1: When someone broke into a storage locker earlier this month and stole Martin... Okay, it probably wasn't earlier this month because uh, I just took the yeah. story from someone. <laughs>
0: earlier some month.
1: When someone broke into a storage locker earlier this month and stole Martin Ca- Casas' personal collection of three thousand comic books, <gasps> which he oh painstakingly no. built up over three decades, oh no. he put out. But er, he was put out, but not hopeless. That they were gone forever. That's because Casas also happens to own a St. Louis comic book store, and he had a plan. Per the Riverfront Times. <clears throat> First, he alerted his staff to be on the lookout for anyone trying to sell comic Smart. books in bulk. Yes. KTVI, who well, I'm assuming I got this article from, notes, he uh, reached out.
0: Source, uh, <laughs> some uh, journalist at KTVI.
1: Yeah. He reached out to the other local comic book store owners to put out the same alert as well. Just days later, a call came in from a mm. woman who said she had a box of comics to sell. Wow. And. When she dropped the box off to be appraised, Casas was quickly able to find identifying markers on both the box and the comic books to show it was his she property. She kept
0: it in the same box?
1: He called the woman to ask if she had any more to sell.
0: Oh. And
1: if she could come in the next day so he could pay her for her wares.
0: She just dropped them off? I guess he has to, like, appraise them or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was very trusting of a thief.
1: yes. Yes, she said, per Casas, me and my boyfriend, we do storage units. Casas arranged for the police to hide out in the store for her arrival, and when she and her boyfriend showed up, they were taken into custody and revealed where the rest of the Casas, the rest of Casas' collection was. She meant
0: to say we rob storage units.
1: Right, Right. we do storage units. Um, He said, I did have the power to make a phone call to the police and impatiently wait for the... and impatiently wait for the thieves. Casas tweeted after the bur- after the bust. He says he felt a little bad for the couple, though he tells the Times, no one ever wakes up and says, I want to grow up and break into storage units. He-, he says of the entire experience, it was absolutely the most bizarre 24 hours of my life. It's not clear if the two alleged thieves have yet been charged.
0: That's so dumb. <laughs>
1: Oh, okay. And then this one... <laughs> this I have to, This one's short, but it's funny. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, this one is from WQAD. All right. Okay. She, mu- she might have used rope. Instead, an Illinois mother thought it was a good idea to secure an inflatable pool on the roof of her SUV by having her two daughters sit inside of it. Oh
2: my
0: god what an <laughs> idiot
1: according to dixon police jennifer janice yeager jennifer. Was, <laughs> was arrested tuesday on two counts of child endangering
0: the god. health or life
1: of a child
0: jennifer what the hell
1: two counts of reckless conduct and failure to secure a passenger under the age of eight and under the age of 16 after a resident spotted the audi suv and, and called being police
0: physics <laughs> like what how is that heavy enough <sighs>
1: The 49-year-old reportedly told officers she'd driven to a friend's house to have the pool inflated before using her children to keep the empty Such inflatable in place for the drive home.
0: Such an idiot. <laughs> yeah,
1: like She, like, gets it blown Why up. Why didn't she and sit then,
0: in it like, and <laughs> let her kids drive home? She's probably heavier.
1: I just, like, imagine she didn't even think about bringing rope or anything because she was just, like didn't think just bringing it like when it's deflated it's yeah. like a small package yeah, you can fit in the and then you bring it and you're like what the fuck where am I gonna put oh this on my,
0: God. my God. don't ask me like, oh, hey neighbor know. can you fill this up for me oh don't worry come about. come on that. girls
1: get inside it'll be fine I've got this figured out just think out. about it if they if, if if like she stops and they take off they're not just like even, in like, a big cushion it would just be not like at a the big... bottom the
0: bottom's not a cushion
1: it might be some of the pools are like inflated at the bottom
0: What's not okay. enough What's okay. not enough if they are I don't know also it's not like, oh, why when you sit in the front seat, when you sit in the back seat, you guys like hold on to it out the window. <laughs> to be safer. Buckle up. No. Also, it's like slip on the bottom like what the- I don't know why I'm like trying to figure this out. This is just dumb. This is so dumb. <laughs> and dangerous. <sighs> oh god. Well, I think that was a good note to end on. Since our stories went long this time.
1: Okay all right
0: so thanks for listening thank
1: you everybody for tuning in thank you
0: journalists for all your hard work for making it easy and
1: so we don't have to do any work but read your stories that have been chopped up and put into other people's stories you are
0: good writers good
1: good writers um we would like to dedicate this podcast to uh the uh the journalists who work hard
0: yeah thank you guys
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh good all right
0: Okay, thanks for listening and tune in next
1: tune in next week when
0: for we'll talk about more stuff
1: tell you another fabulous case of just murder and mayhem but maybe a little bit less murder not sure no <laughs> we'll promises see. no
0: promises on anything ever no promises.
1: no promises
0: no promises
1: no promises
0: oh also I apologize to anyone who is French I did not mean to make fun of your beautiful apologize language. Apologize to I anyone. I'm not capable of speaking it.
1: Anyone that is offended by anything that we say.
0: Yeah. Apologies all around. Everyone Round of
1: apologies. <laughs> all
2: right. All
1: right.
0: Goodbye. bye.